brand new podcast, everybody. And we could sit in here and talk to you about parenting all day. All Boy. day. Us we should two. do a podcast on parenting. No, we shouldn't. Yes, we should. We're not th- we are the only parents getting grifted by a 10-year-old. That is not true. Bullshit. That's not true. I don't believe that at all. Does your 10-year-old pretend to have dyslexia and not really have it? She has dyslexia. <laughs> she's not pretending on that. She's she's doing other things, grifting uh, other ways. She is a massive criminal. It's a brand new podcast today. You guys are going to fucking love it today. Uh one of my favorites that I've done in a while. Uh, only because, you know, I've been really good this past week. I didn't really party at all. And, uh, well, this week I'm definitely partying. I partied last night at the store. I'm partying tonight at Todd Glass's house. And then tomorrow night I'm partying with Burr and uh, Segura. <clears throat> and then I'm off to Omaha. And then, oh, I should do tour dates. Uh, and then I'm in. And then I'm home again for a week. And I'm not going to be partying. I'm doing a liver cleanse. Because it's spring break. Whatever. It's spring break. We're gonna get, well, I think we're going to get a house in Malibu for the week. Says who? Says me. No, I don't want. No, Christina did it. No, Tom and Christina did it. Yeah. Well, whatever. Uh, and then I am off to Salt Lake City. Everybody, please come out to Salt Lake City. Anyone in Salt Lake City? I uh, Provo is like an hour away. I've driven to Provo from Salt Lake City. Stayed in a Mormon compound out in Provo. Beautiful. Did the backyard slingshot out in Provo. Uh, Provo, not Provo. Salt Lake City. Stand up. Huntsville is almost sold out. Alabama. Uh, get your tickets to Stand Up Huntsville, Stand Up Live at Huntsville on the 20th of that 420. And then the next day is a call and sick to work show in Nashville on the 21st at Zanies. And I'm doing the evening of the 21st, the evening of the 22nd, the evening of the 23rd. I'll be doing a lot of shows down in Nashville. I'm going to be jumping on a bunch of shows. It's going to be a lot of fun. Ari's going to be there. Doug Benson's going to be there. And then, uh, and then I'm in Yuck Yucks, Calgary at the end of the month, Detroit. Is almost sold out at the Crowfoot Lounge on the 4th of May. And then the 5th and 6th at Liberty Township, just outside Cincinnati at the Funny Bone. Then it's Georgia's Play. I don't know why I told you that. Then the Crap Shoot Casino. And the next day, I'm doing a live podcast in Bisbee on the 20th. That is the 19th. On the 20th with Doug Stanhope at, a, at a Royal Albert something theater or something. Those are the dates. Everything else is on Burp. No, you know what? Everything is, else isn't on Burp or Burp.com. It's, we just got the updated schedule yesterday, so it's okay. being put on there. It's yeah. being put on. So you can go to Burp, Burp, uh, Go to my Twitter. My uh, whatever. I hope you have a partner as good as I do. I have a really great partner. i got to be honest with you. Thanks, I'm, babe. I'm not just saying that because you're on the podcast, but I, and I'm, I'm going to speak from the heart for a second. I will tell you, today's episode is sponsored by Blue Apron. And I talked to Tony about this in casual conversation because it is very true. Blue Apron is changing our family. I agree. It really is. I I can't – there's a lot of copy I'm supposed to read, but I'll tell you honestly, I enjoy getting a Blue Apron so much. They deliver it right to your door. It's fresh. All the ingredients are fresh, responsibly raised. They Locally sourced. Locally sourced with the Monterey Bay Fish Aquarium. Watch fish aquarium, whatever, whatever it is. No, it's it's it means that. But fuck all that. We have so much fun making these fucking meals. We do, and the thing is, the girls ask, "Are we having blue apron tonight?" And they have tried every single dish, and they're ten and twelve. So, like you know, food of choice is like corn dog tater tot. That they'd eat that every day. Yeah. But they're asking, "What are we having tonight?" Is it blue apron? And they're trying 
everything. They, they, I've been really impressed. We had bulgur wheat last night. And they ate it. They loved it. And they loved it with chicken. And the chicken, we didn't make it too spicy because they say, hey, if you don't want it too spicy, use a third of the packet. It was absolutely fantastic. We're putting almonds and walnuts on everything. That is not our family's. And they're eating it. And they're eating it. So all I'll say to you is very simply, before I finish this read, dude, check out Blue Apron. If you have a family, buy it. And and it really brings you guys together. You sit down and have dinner together, and they go, "What is this?" And you talk, and you and it's been a blast. I've really enjoyed this sponsorship. I have too immensely, very much. Um, but seriously, check them out. Like I said, all the beef, chicken, and pork comes from responsibly raised animals. The seafood is sourced by sustain- sustainably under standards developed in partnership with the Monterey Bay Aquarium Seafood Watch, and all the food is from. Practiced from regenerative farming. I'm a horrible out loud reader, but I will tell you 99% of the continental U.S. can get it, and 99.55 of food deserts. Desserts. (laughs) What are you talking about? I don't know. Let me read it. No, I'm reading it. Because Blue Apron ships the exact amount of each ingredient required for each recipe. And I will say this. It's cheaper than me going to the store. Because when I go to the store, I buy a ton of shit, and this is $10 per person. You cannot get that out to eat. You've got to go to McDonald's to get that kind of food. And this is all healthy food. And it's, it's delicious. It really does. I'm telling you, I these are the featured meals coming up. Spinach with fresh mozzarella pizza with olives, bell peppers, and ricotta salad. Cha-ching! Salada? 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 Sweet and sour salmon with bok choy, carrot, and ginger, and fried rice. Parmesan-crusted chicken with creamy fettuccine and roasted broccolini. Oh, my God. Baby broccolini with fontina paninis with hard-boiled eggs and arugula salad. Shut up. That sounds amazing. It is affordable. The food is always diverse. We have... Two totally different type of pork meals. It's easy as shit. We're making them in under 30 minutes, and we're making them with the girls. George and I made one the other day. Island, Island Leanne made one the other day. Leanne and I make them most of the time because it's fun to cook together. I'm telling you right now, these things are fantastic. We just got one at our front door. And you know what's nice? We're not in a rush to go run it to the kitchen because it's fresh, and it's going to be fine. We can keep it in our fridge for five days. We have... It is my favorite thing that we do. It is pretty awesome. It is pretty awesome, I have to say. And I have to say, for two meals a week, I don't have to figure out what we're having. It's a blast. It's in my fridge. And this is coming from the heart, and you will hear me talk to Tony about this later, but I'm being dead serious. Try them out. It's very simple. What are you doing? I'm showing you the the part you you have to read. Check out this week's menu and get your first three meals for free. Try it. Get your first three meals for free. And see if you like it. Hit me up on Twitter. Let me know that you guys did it. Send pictures of your meals to me. Yeah. And I say, I put up my I have pictures of all our meals because we present them so nice. I try to outbeat the guy who in the picture who made his meals. And these are cool chefs giving you great recipes. And then you can cheat and steal these recipes and do your own versions. Why do they get stealing? They give you the recipe. Yeah, yeah. But no. But now I know how to. Now I know how to get some fond off the bottom of a plate. I did it the other day. <laughs> Check out this week's menu and get your first three free meals for free. With free shipping, go to blueapron.com slash BERTCAST. B-E-R-T-C-A-S-T. You will love how it feels. You will love how it tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron, so don't wait. That is blueapron.com slash BERTCAST. Let me tell you something, sucker. Hear what I say. Blue Apron. A better way to cook. I'm being sincere about that. I really think you will. You and your family will truly enjoy this. 
So take us up on it. It's three free meals. We're giving meals to friends. We're buying Blue Apron for friends because it's cool as shit. It's a great little gift. It's awesome. Um, today's podcast is so awesome because I have been healthy as shit. And, uh, and I hadn't been drinking. And I've been doing a bunch of unassisted sleeps. And Tony came over. Uh, you already know who the guest is. And Tony's career has really blossomed since I first talked to him. And he, I talked to him about this, but uh, we, uh, he, one of my first set at the comedy store, you know, you, you find out a lot about people when they have nothing to gain and they're nice to you. And uh, right after my first set, and I told Tony this, and I think I caught him a tad bit off guard, he came out to me, put me out, brought me out to the patio. I was out at the patio, and he came up with a drink, and he was like, hey, I want to buy you a drink, man. Congratulations. It's a big deal. He Look, I'm fucking probably 14 years old, t- older than Tony, and it meant a great deal to me, and it meant, it meant a lot to me. And by the way, I will say this. That's who I surround myself with these days is guys like that. I was at the store last night with Red Band. God, I fucking love that guy. And with Tony. Tony, me, and Red Band, and Josh Adam Myers. Check out uh, his uh, his show every Wednesday night at 10 p.m., uh, the Comedy Jam. I'm on it April 19th. But uh, And so I treated myself to a cigar. It was the first cigar I'd had in a few months. And Tony and I had, I had a cigar, and Tony was having cigarettes. I think halfway through, he started smoking a joint, but I had to go pick up the girls, so I didn't partake. Uh, and it was... It was, it's a great podcast. It's a great chat, and uh, and I hope you enjoy it. So, uh, guys, without further ado, and let me tell you something. If you're not using our Laughable app, I think they just updated it. It's You can get our tour dates off there, so check it out on Laughable. Once again, you can go to Laughable and find Tony Hinchcliffe on there, and then you can see all his Kill Tonys, and you can pick what guests you like, and then see all the shit they've done. I love this fucking app. It's a Laughable app. Me and Fitzsimmons were talking about it the other day. So check out Laughable. Go to the app store and get Laughable. Ned, you know I love you. Um, I'm not talking to you, Carlos. (laughs) All right. Today's podcast. Keep it going. Ladies and gentlemen, you got a beautiful audience tonight. My wife is leaving. She's going camping this weekend. I'm going to Omaha. My mom's watching the girls. Ladies and gentlemen, from Kill Tony, Tours with Rogan, writer from the Roasts, put your hands together for Tony motherfucking Hinchcliffe, the Golden Pony. This is I'm full. I don't know. This is. I'll start it off by saying I got into comedy because I loved laughing. I didn't get in. I didn't ever like. Do you remember Dimitri Martin got into comedy? We were talking about it, and he was like. Uh, he was like, I like the math of it. Like, he liked to figure it out. And I was oh. like, that's my least, I hated homework growing up. Right. Like, I don't like sitting down and getting, putting pen to paper. I mean, I do it, but I do it when I'm inspired. I do, like, I, and I understand there's a, a theory that you like, no, you, it, you should be working when inspiration shows up. But I think I, I'm also a guy that writes on stage a lot. So, right. It's an interesting thing because, I mean, if you don't get a rush, like a rush as a kid, like if there's not like an animal inside of you that freaking loved it, mm-hmm. that got like a weird like serotonin rush from hearing other people laugh, mm-hmm. that type of joy that you can bring to people, the opposite of crying or whatever it is, it's like a weird noise we make. If you look at what it really is, what laughing is, and how weird we are for making people want to do that so much, it's so weird. And how do we make them do it more and more often and louder and all that? It's a 
to just do it for the math. I don't really, I don't get that part. But is it? I'm putting is, words in his mouth. Uh, oh, I mean, not you really mi- just misquoted a human there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm saying like he enjoy. There are guys, and I'm he's one of them. But he enjoys like his one of his favorite things to do is do palindromes. You know what palindrome is? I think I do. Remind me, mom. Oh, it, basically, it's yeah, when it backwards. reads backwards and forwards. Yeah. But Dimitri has the, I think he has the world record for the world's longest palindrome. I think it's like something like 72 pages. Wow. Like he's a genius. By the way, once again, I'm sure I'm putting words in his mouth. He does have the world's record, but I don't know how long it is. I wonder how many giant pieces of paper it took him to uh, write down that uh, huge palindrome. (laughs) How many many of those tearaway, giant, human-sized notebooks he had to go through? Yeah, but I I like the... and so that's why I end up watching specials because I go, I don't know. I like I like laughing. Mm-hmm. Like Stanhope's last special was so enjoyable. Yeah, it was enjoyable. You know, for so many different reasons. And in in a weird way, I think if you're not watching, if you're not watching comedy, yeah. you can almost be left behind. That's what that's the myth of the road. Yeah, I don't Those, watch people's specials almost ever. Even my what was friends. the last special you watched? Oh, I watched my. your special. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. I feel bad. You I, like I, the I, I don't like. I, uh, I'm uh, the, every day that goes on. I get more and more embarrassed of it. How many? What did? You, what, do you have a two? Two, yeah. But 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 don't you do sort of like looking at your first one? Do you ever look at it like ah? Uh, yeah, yeah, right. yeah. But I'm glad I. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, I'm glad I did it. I mean, without a doubt, I'm definitely glad I did it because if yeah. I didn't, I'd still be doing that material. Exactly. See, that that's and the one cool thing is cleansing your act of this shit material, Ugh. dude. I'm such a better comic because of podcasting. Yeah, because of podcasting, I write cleaner. I write smarter. Uh-huh. I write more from my heart. Um, and and but, but also I listen to a lot of podcasts. That's my biggest flaw. Probably is I listen to too many podcasts, uh, and. There are some I have to I have to like scrap. Which one makes you laugh the hardest, Christina and Tom? Uh, There's something about them they make me cackle. You no. know how some people make you have a different laugh than other. Yeah. I know you do. I've seen you do yeah. it. You've almost we've been concerned for your health on Kill Tony a couple <sighs> times. <laughs> now, okay, if I'm okay, if we're being serious, my favorite podcast to do is probably Kill Tony because I so love nice. that format. Yeah, I love that format. I love that cheat code of us getting up and not having to try to be funny, but funny gets to be happening. Right. I was explaining that to a British comic the other day about, oh, we talked about this the other day. Yeah. What did we talk yeah. about this? Yeah. You mentioned that oh, you we were, were in meeting. England. Or, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, but my favorite part, my, the one that's making me laugh the hardest recently, and, but I have to qualify this by saying I won't listen to Rogan if Callan's on right. or if, uh, if Segura's on, I won't. Li- Usually, those are the ones I don't listen to, only because sometimes comics slide in bits they're working on, mm-hmm. and that is you, you can't draw your information from a place like that. Where then, like, so I, know, I don't. I know that I didn't come up with this premise, but I have a bit about being like a dolphin. I, yeah. I'm certain someone said this. What do you mean, being like a dolphin? Dolphins don't have any responsibilities. Like, no one ever asked a dolphin to grow the fuck up. They're just a dolphin. When a dolphin jumps out of the water and does a flip, everyone loses their fucking mind. There's no dolphins in the water going like, fucking seriously, man? Like, dude, why don't you just help us get fish? And you're like, fuck it, man. This is what I do. I'm a dolphin. Here, put that in between us. It'll be easier. Yeah. But like, and I, and by the way, I don't, I mean like, that's a premise. A premise I'd, I'd 
started on a long time ago about dolphins. But the first joke, the iteration was when I lived in New York, I wanted to run in front of buses like like a dolphin and just jump up. That was all I had to it. And then I'd order a beer like a dolphin. There's a very simple comedy. Yeah. I'd go to the bar and go, one beer, and then I'd back up and go, <laughs> That was It was very simple comedy. <laughs> and I had this. It's the kind that I just fucking love, though. It was, I, it was very simple. And then, and then of course, I read a, <laughs> I read a book by... Um, I read a book by a uh, uh, really great writer. I forget his name, but he's the guy that everyone reads. Not Jack Kerouac, but the guy that has the... Remember the book that looks like a... It's got a hummingbird on it, but it looks like a pack of Camel cigarettes. Uh, I don't really read. Anyway, and then, and then I know for a fact on an airplane, I was like, oh, I could figure out this dolphin bit. And I'm like, hold on. And, you know, I drink and I black out and I wake up on airplanes. Yeah. So, like, halfway through, I'm like, did I just hear that? Did I hear someone say that? Why am I thinking of this dolphin bit right now? And so I've been really careful to not do it on stage. I mean, you got to let it rip. The You know, everybody – in fact, Joe Rogan and I had this talk last night for a second. It's like every single thing has been covered, whether it's out there on someone special or out there on the internet. It's official. Like, it's yeah. been done. Every idea for a segment of a show, it's been done in oh, some dude. capacity or another. I, I literally pitched a segment to a show one time yeah. that I didn't even realize I had seen on British television. Yeah. And I went – and I just was sitting in a room and I went, this would be a good idea. And then we got to do it. And halfway through doing it, someone's like, it's just like that British show. And I was like, oh, fuck. That's where I saw it. Oh, exactly. my God. I mean, it's just like so crazy. You were going to say you pitched a bit for a show? I, I literally was like, my manager I'm t- My manager calls me yesterday. We're having just a normal like talk, scheduling things, getting airplane tickets for whatever. And I go, man, you got me at a weird time. I just got stoned to the gullets. And he's like, you're always stoned to the gullets. I'm like, yeah, but that's how we, that's how I write and get the, every th- that 10% that you get, that's for me getting stoned to the gullets. And I go, check out this idea that I just so happen to write down. And I'm being sort of silly, but I'm also sort of excited about this idea. It says, O-bitch-uary. And I'm like, it's an obituary. So whatever, like, bad person or terrible person <laughs> died, we pay tribute to them in this segment of the show we call an obituary, where we yeah. just... In- Give them like a fuck you roast eulogy, like a real like yeah. just you know uh, send off. And he's like, "Oh yeah, John Oliver did that on his podcast." I'm like, "John Oliver has a podcast and that's a segment <laughs> on it." This guy, these guys have everything already. John Oliver has a podcast. This guy's winning Emmys. I love that you go. That you go John Oliver's got a podcast. <laughs> yeah, what is he? These guys just they they take everything. What the fuck's John Oliver doing with a goddamn podcast? He's already, yeah, he's got Emmy awards. There's this guy that John Oliver's best friends with called Daniel Kitson. Mm-hmm. I want to see him. Apparently, he's like the Mitch Hedberg, like the cool, alt, crazy Australian, doesn't do press, every show sells out like wow. kind of guy. Everyone was talking about him. So they brought him. Everyone brought him up to me in uh, in England. Huh. And I was like, I was like, fuck, I gotta hear more about this guy. Yeah, I, I, I did a bit, but I'm really, I'm really honest. Like, I have a, I have a hard time. With peep, I have a hard time with thieves. Mm-hmm. It's been happening to me a few times. Yeah, uh, I, and me I, too. And I and I learned you just don't say it out loud. Yeah, you just talk behind their back. Fuck them. I can't. I can't. It's it's almost like rape culture in a weird way. If you call someone as a thief, it's in a weird way you become the bitch. Right. And then you're like, really, really. And then people go to defend them. Just like, oh, you were drunk. You were you you dressed like that for a reason. Yeah. And people are like. 
really? Are you sure it's not parallel thinking? Because, you know, uh, and you're like, no, I fucking trust me. I know that person. I told the joke in front of them. They heard me and say it. that's when it's a thing. And I think that's a thing that a lot of like, uh, like uh, internet people don't really get is that we see each other. The reason why I don't watch specials like at all is because I'm probably at the comedy store pound for pound more than anyone. I live yeah. three blocks away from it. I worked there forever. I live it. You know what I mean? I can go there, get tired, and then go home and still have an hour and a half, two hours of needless energy to burn playing a video game or thinking about the next day or reading lines or whatever it is, right? Yeah. And so I get to see what I want to see. And I get to see the craziest fucking shit. If I'm hearing rips, last night I walked in. And when I got there at 11.15, 11.30 on a random night, Louie just popped in in the OR and Rogan's slaying the main room. You just yeah. hear roars. It sounds like 400 people getting butt raped in the main room. As I walk like towards that back door, you can just hear it from outside the building. Yeah. Which with laughter, it's not like rock and roll. You know what I mean? I don't think people get that. Like it's like, yeah, you can hear the band when you pull up to a Staples Center, or like uh, you know, the Coliseum or something. But to hear laughter outside of the club, nasty shit yeah. going on. The hell's my point? Oh, and it's not like I go up and I watch Louis or I watch Joe because a, I you know, normally organically, sort of naturally, have seen them recently working well, you, with Joe all the been time. With Joe, what, yeah, like four years. Yeah, and he's constantly, he's already, you know, he's already working on his third special since starting working with me, because he's done two. Yeah. Um, so His last special, Triggered, is yeah. him and Stan, those, him and Stan Hope. And I, I put Segura off to the side. I, I, I love Segura's act, yeah. but I, I, I never throw him in the mix. I, I just don't, because he's like, we're so close. Right. It's, it's, it's very difficult for me to... I, mean, I think he's. I think he's. That's like what the problem I have with him and Push. I think their podcast hilarious, but I know them, and half the time they're making inside jokes that I feel like I'm a part of, right. other than the jeans, mommies, Hitler jokes. Yeah. So like, but him and Tim and Stanhope, dude, are I, the two best specials. And I, there's, there's, Bill Burr's is amazing. I haven't seen Jim Jeffries, but I've watched a lot, and they're just on this last one on Triggered. Rogan hits the gas from the start. He peels out. And literally doesn't step off. He I watched it the day, dude. I watched specials the down. day they're released. He's not pacing it out. He's not yeah. waiting for them people to catch up. He's not giving a fuck. Like, I was watching it like this with my eyes just wide open. Just like, holy shit. Because I had watched him work it all out. Did you go? To, did you do the, that special? Did you open for him that weekend? I was going to. I had my own, like, thing. Like, my own headlining weekend that I just couldn't get out of. It was something good or something like that. Or yeah. I was going to. Ian Edwards ended up doing it. But I was going to do it with Ian. Um, but I had, you know, toured all around with him while he was working all that out. And to yeah. get to watch him execute it like that. And I only watched the first, like, 35 minutes because I'm literally like, okay, I mean, I'm obviously... There gets to be a point watching Joe and other greats, Chappelle, you know, who I am lucky enough to open for when he's in L.A. sometimes. Watching these guys, I love it, and it inspires me, but only to a limit. Then there's a part where it's like, oh, fuck, I'm literally like, there's nothing I can do unless I fast-forward 17 years of work to get... Like, when I see, especially... Chappelle, you know what I mean when he hits those fucking just beats. It's he's he's look. I, there's a lot to be said about Chappelle. Or watch both of his hours. Personally, I like the LA one better than the other one, but that's because I thought saw it first. I saw that one before the Austin one, 
So in my head, I was like, you better be better than L.A., which is it's like it's like saying, like, you know, to a chef, this pizza is great, but you better make better pizza. Right. So, you know, it's like pepperoni and cheese. I love both of them. Yeah. Um, but there are things, there are nuances of what he does that as a as a comic, you could pick apart anyone's act. Anyone's. Anyone's. And I can tell you what's I can tell you what's lazy in anyone's act. Absolutely. And what's 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 inspired. Yeah. And I, all I'll say is that. And I, it's, maybe it's because I haven't seen him in so long. There were more inspired moments out of this hour than, and I talked. To, I'll, I've talked about this probably ad nauseum. But there were more inspired moments of him just very casually getting a laugh without trying. Right. Um, were I, when I went, wow, man, and it's just choice of words. It's the same thing I was saying about uh, who were we talking about before this about Stanhope. Yeah, like Stanhope, one of my. He does this bit about ISIS, and it's just so perfectly written yeah. that then he goes, and then he's like, ISIS, I'm not doing this bit justice at all, but it's ISIS is uh, recruiting young uh, men without, in, out, without relationships that are lost in America to join ISIS. And I'm like, hey. That's my fan base. And the line is great, though. Yo, Isis, I'm working this corner. Such a great fucking line. So then I look at it and I go, I go, I go, you know, what really, and this has no connection, but it, what it said to me was, I have these long stories, these fucking 12 minute stories that I tell on stage. And they're funny. They're great. They're outrageous. They're crazy. But I never looked at it backwards. And I looked at that joke backwards and went, wow, he got me to, yo, I some work in this corner. Right. This, and I went, it's a great way to look at a joke, work it backwards. And then I thought, what are my stories that have great endings? And I looked at this joke about um, my buddy Dan is listening to this right now going, I, I want to hear the fucking joke. He's a guy from Travel Channel. But a joke about jumping off the stratosphere where the ending is fucking amazing. But I never could, like, I never really cared to write it because I didn't like the middle part and I went no 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 fuck the middle part write the middle part the ending is what you you got like I'm not saying I know how Stan wrote the joke but right. I bet he I'm I bet he watched it you know yeah. and was like fuck that was my you know it's amazing how things get written you then you never know front to back or back to front and it's sometimes it starts as just a rinky dink one-liner and turns into an entire story the machine had three beats in it that i liked yeah that's it three beats and that i liked and i was like <laughs> if i can get from one beat to the next beat to the next then i'm done yeah and so but i got so lazy with my story writing that i would think that i believed that an outrageous premise was all I needed. Yeah. You know, like, I almost ran out of air. I remember telling, uh, you know who the Moth is? That rings a bell. They do a storytelling show. They're okay. really popular. They're great storyteller producers as well. Mm-hmm. And I said, I took a conference call to do a story. They had posted a story that made me ball my fucking eyes out. <laughs> and, then, and I was like, and I was telling her this. She goes, what story would you like to work on? And I go, I ran out of oxygen at, at 90 feet in Fiji. And she was like, okay, I think I know the end of that story. I was like, what? She's like, I don't, I don't know why you tell it. Like, I, clearly you live. And I was like, yeah. She's like, so what's the, what's the stakes in the story? And I was like, oh, fuck. Yeah. I was like, I never looked at it that way. I never. So like it, without any insight from outsiders or from the industry, I started going like, I started saying to myself, like, I want, you told a phenomenal fucking story probably a month ago 
about, and I'm not going to give away your bits. I'm sh- I don't know if you've recorded it or not, but about your neighbor, your black yeah. neighbor. Yeah. Is that? Is, are you working on that? Yeah. It's, it's so good. Yeah. It's so fucking good. And I went. And by the way, in watching that, I went. Every story doesn't have to be a tentpole. Yeah. Sometimes it can be very casual. Be yeah. just walking down the street. Yeah. And I was like, that's cool. And then I said, oh, start looking in your life mm-hmm. at like, it doesn't need to be big. You know, yeah. I, I don't have anything in that realm. Right. But like, I, I was really impressed by that story. And I think that's the inspiration I look for when I watch comedy is to go, yeah, like, that's it. That's a great, it was such a great fucking story. I'm so excited about that bit. I've been closing with it. You know, closing hour 15, hour and a half long sets on the road with it. I know it. how I've been working at it hard. Yeah. I don't really do stories, and that's really... That's what took me off guard, and I went, I went that's a great fucking story. And May is going to be 10 years of me doing stand-up comedy continuously, and it's truly the first story that I've ever had and really it's worked on. It's a great on. story. And I was so excited. I'm so excited about it, and we just submitted it. Luis uh, Gomez. To, uh, you know Luis Gomez? Yeah. You know Luis? Yeah. yeah. He's calling right now. <laughs> oh, that's him? He's yeah, yeah, in the back. <laughs> you hear a bunch of dishes drop? <laughs> no, the you were landscape saying equipment. 10 years. And we just submitted it to This Is Not Happening because I'm like, this is the one. Mm. I'm going to pop right off the screen. I would, I would save screen. it for your next hour. And they turned it down. What? They said they don't want it. So, I mean, I was going to save it for to close my next hour regardless because I feel like, you know, hopefully it's on Netflix again. And I feel like there's really only minimal crossover between the two. If that's on, I know how crazy that sounds, but I feel like there's not that much overlap between Comedy Central and Netflix anyway. So I was going to do it for both. But they said that it's too uh, stand-up-y of a story. It's too like funny of a story, not compelling enough. That was their note. Uh, so I well, that's a like, good problem to have because that, 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 um, I have that problem with this is not happening. I love, I, first of all, I don't think anyone that works on this show does, doesn't know how much I love that show. Yeah. It really is meant for what I do. Yeah, it's uh, great. Entirely. Yeah. Um, and I told, like, a, not not like an idiot, but like, really excited that I could do it again. I got this flying dildo story ready for it. Yeah. And, uh, and, and it's a really, like... Immediately, my agents and managers were like, "Why did you use that on this? You should use it for your hour. That's a fucking great story." And I was like, "Oh yeah." And then I'm like, and then I burned the material. And I, by the way, it wasn't like fleshed out. So it was you just, did do it. You I gave did it do it on this is not happening. On this is not happening. And uh, and and then my agents were like, "Why don't you? Can you do that for your hour?" And I was like, "I've already done it in my head." I, by the way, once I do a story, I, it's done. And then oh wow, do it. And that's how I. But once I do it on. On on uh, on like media, like yeah. if I do a, on it, and then I did um, I did the sh- they've been calling it out because you know that's a really this is not happening it's a really fucking popular show and everyone's calling out flying dildos flying dildos they first heard on Rogan then I worked it out yeah and now um, and then the other night I was like I don't fucking tell that story and they're like please and I was like fuck it I'll tell it and I told it the right way for the first time and I went mother. Fucker. Right. I was like, fuck. I yep. rushed it to yep. get it on. This is not happening. I remember I had like a tag that I needed Ari to ask me about. Yeah. Or, and I was like, just ask me. He was like, what's, what about, whatever happened to this? I go, just come on stage and just ask me and I'll tell you what happened. And I fucking worked it out perfectly and I went, M- shit. Yeah. And I was so bummed. But you know what? The new way is a mashup. Maybe I can put it on a special. Totally. I mean, totally. 
I mean, the you have to realize like it's hard to find those things now on, you know, not bashing Comedy Central, but on their websites and the platform. Well, you can't find it on Comedy Central. Thank God Ari got YouTube to put them up. Right. No one's finding shit on Comedy Central. It's such a confusing website. Yeah. I love you guys very much, but man, you got to fucking fix your website. Seriously. And that's the problem with networks is they don't want to really drive you to the internet. They want you to watch TV. That's how they make their money. And it's, but it's, it's backfiring. If they, if they had pushed the internet first, they would be the YouTube. No they would shit. Be the, they would have been the everything. It's an interesting approach that they took. Meanwhile, those companies are all like so far in the green. Look at Netflix. Yeah. Their stock's at an all-time high. A high? They've been going this way for since I, forever. Do you ever Google Trends things? Do you know what Google Trends is? Sort of. Uh, Ooh, tell and, me. And you don't. Ooh. It's fucking fascinating. Ooh, those, I got the wild bird eyes on Dude, me. this is one of my favorite things. And by the way, is this, I'm also in therapy because of it. Because <laughs> oh, no. I have a problem. I have a, a distinct problem with validation, with getting people, making people happy. Validation ultimately is validation. So when my serotonin dips, usually from partying, and uh, and I got my first two reentry days, which are, you know, if anyone's wondering, it's a Xanax the first day at four p.m. and then a Sonata the next night at seven p.m. and that's how I reentry. What's a Sonata? Ooh, only the best sleeping pill ever invented. <laughs> it's, it stays in your system for two hours. That's it, two hours. So for two hours, you feel. Real sleepy, and you fall asleep, and then it's out of your system. So when you sleep for another five, you wake up feeling amazing, completely refreshed. Now I have a problem; I have a fear of addiction. Yeah. So like I won't. So I have a regiment. Like a party on the weekend when I'm on the road. I have a drink, a few drinks on the plane Thursday. Drink Friday, drink Saturday. Uh, fly home Sunday, drink on the plane, and then. Monday, Xanax at 4 p.m. This sounds so unhealthy. Xanax at 4 p.m. <laughs> because, because all that partying just gets into your system and you just got to shake it. Yeah. And I want to be there for my family. So I'll take a half, half, a quarter of a milligram of Xanax, which is nothing if anyone right. knows anything about Xanax, at like 4 p.m. And I'll just chill, have a great dinner with my family. We make a blue apron yeah. together. Blue aprons brought my family together so fucking much. You have no fucking idea. Dude, I swear wow. to God, there, I, I will have read a sponsor for this at the beginning. Yeah. But I have to say, candidly, have, do you have you ever made a Blue Apron? No. Do you cook it all? A little bit. Dude. They deliver the food to you, right? Deliver your food in a cooler. It lasts for like five days in the fridge. I'm sure I already said this in the thing. I'll make this very short. But um, they're really cool meals. And for me with two kids, it the whole family gets in the kitchen and cooks. And then we have a dinner together. And it's fucking it's one of the cooler things that it's one of the cooler sponsors I've ever been involved with. But more importantly, like for my two days home, th- I'm covered. I got two yeah. meals that are like brand new shit that and my kids are like. It's not just a meal; it's an experience. Bam, blue um, apron. <laughs> so, but you heard. I apologize for, but I do really love the product. But um, and then the next night, I'm good all day. But I do. I am prone to anxiety, so I'll yeah. start laying in bed. Tossing and turning, going shit. Are all the doors locked? Is the gates locked? Right. Should I, and like, so a sonata helps me just go to sleep. And then Wednesday, I'm fine. Like, yeah. So yeah, like this whole week, I've been, I've had unassisted sleeps. So we call them in my house. I sort of do the same thing drinking wise, and instead of uh, the Xanax and Sonata, I just balance out the weed. proper amounts of coffee and weed. Yeah. yeah. If I need to be awakened, I have. Are you still drinking at all? Yeah. 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 You, you were that, one of my favorite things. 
I was in Columbus recently. I remember you lived in Columbus when you went through a period where you were having like fine whiskey, fine wines, and big steak dinners. Totally. And I did that the other night by myself, and I thought I should call Tony and tell him <laughs> I'm having that moment. I love that. Yeah. Uh, Feels great, doesn't it? It's uh, priceless. Dude, There's. I wish I could enjoy a bottle of wine right now, but I'm so calorie conscious that I'm a little OCD about it. Yeah. Um, but man... I had such a great fucking dinner. I think it was Smith and Walensky's. Yeah. Is that the one in the... Yeah, it's great. I feel It feels good to treat yourself sometimes. We went to... We did one of those Vegas runs, me, Rogan, and Ian, a couple yeah. weeks ago. And I noticed when I was checking in, the lady said, there's already... A, you have a... It comes with your room, a $100 voucher to the spa. Right? And I'm like, wow, that's interesting. I look up the spa prices when I'm in the hotel room. It's like $500 for anything. Right? And I'm not, I don't really need Oh, you're it. in Vegas. For a second, I was like, where are you guys staying in Columbus? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, we're in Vegas. Yeah. And at a really nice hotel. So I go to the spa, even though everything's out of control, just to see if they have a steam room. I go. I ask if they have a steam room. They go, well, we have this one steam room. Uh, it's all right. Or we have this other steam room if you have... If it, it's $70, you have access for the whole day. I go, well, my, will my $100 voucher work for this uh, $70 special steam room? And they're like, absolutely. I'm like, all right, great. Let's do it. And it was a fucking steam room, a humidity room, a sauna, a ice fountain thing that you stand under fucking with love dripping those. ice. Love those. It's just a bucket in a stainless steel like spaghetti strainer. You just go there and you stand under it and just fucking shock oh, your body. I love those. And there was this one thing <laughs> where you lay down like it's like it's like a shallow pool but it's just grates and you're laying down and it's all windows and you're just butt naked in your own little cell. With just wind, uh, all of Vegas right there, butt naked, just oh. looking at your wiener floating. It's amazing. And then I'm- Ian comes in with his <laughs> massive hog. Hey, Tony. <laughs> you mind if I put my dick in there with you? <laughs> Yo, my dick needs those uh, that, that massage table. Um, <laughs> I was just getting my dick a massage. So just out of curiosity, you to go back a, a titch, do you see your stand-up moving di- moving in a different direction than where it's been? Totally. I at mean, ten years. At ten years, I think at ten years is when I did my first special. I want to say the ten years when I did my first special, and I look at where I've come from there to now. And that right then I was doing ju- a couple stories with with a lot of jokes in between because I I was afraid of losing them. Right. And it's interesting to. I would love to have talked to me 10 years ago, but where do you see... I mean, it's crazy. The difference in... I'm really lucky to have had a special come out last January on Netflix because, you know... One shot. Right. One shot. And I made it seven and a half years in. I made it myself. I... We, you know, sold it to Netflix, blah, 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 blah. And... The rumor was you made it for like 780 bucks. <laughs> I cannot... I cannot talk about that. I'm, I'm literally... <laughs> I'm. I have like a 20 year not allowed to talk about this Netflix thing that oh, happened. It's going to be it. when I get to talk about it, you will not believe it. Really, no one will believe it. But I can't talk about it now. Fuck. But then I'll it just was speculate. But let's just say we made fucking magic happen. And if you watch it, it's 
clearly not a huge production. Like the steady cam operator was sweating bullets. He had failures all around him. Like his, his screens went out. He's sweating. He has all this stuff. This guy that literally was the bulk of the budget. One human being, one hour of work. And he's in the middle. In the middle, he goes to the bathroom. Yeah, you can literally see it's wobbly. There's audience members getting up during it, which throws off the focus of the steady cam. But other than the as the, far as the comedy, no. It's can almost, you talk about this? Were you? Were, was it your idea? Or was it that? Was it your steady cam guy's idea? Oh, it was my idea. It I was saw your this idea. thing in my dreams. Okay, and you know, in a dream world, I think hopefully this next one, or maybe later on, I can go back and revisit this. This shooting style with a much better budget and extreme like beauty it's a it's and a swedish style swedish yeah oh i didn't know they see everything's been done john oliver was in sweden no doing it's, that it's, it was very popular harmony corinne did a, a movie based oh. on it it's it's a style of swedish filmmaking where it's just one shot yeah um interesting and it's but yeah it's it is it's not as interesting sadly enough not sadly enough but interestingly enough your special is much better than the the genre that's out there. The genre doesn't keep your attention very long. It does. By the way, so right now I'm sure someone's like, it's Dutch, asshole. But <laughs> right. it's uh, there was a very popular filmmaker that kind of coined it where he just, I thought it was kind of lazy for this filmmaker to do it. Then Harmony Crane got into it. I got interested. And uh, I tried doing a couple ones like that as shorts with my buddy when I had a G, G1, GL1. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and could never do it because I'm... I want to be the filmmaker, but I really want to be in front of the camera. Yeah. Like, that's my ultimate goal. Yeah. Um, But to go back to the comedy thing, like, I was lucky to make it and have it, but all it's done is totally, it's been, I mean, it's like a barometer for, I mean, I'm almost embarrassed of it. To oh, be that's fucking yeah. ridiculous. Like, I'm embarrassed of my special, but I've also been doing it 18 years and so I have a right to be embarrassed at fucking, by the way, right up until I did my last special, uh, which was like a year ago, a year ago almost, I was still proud as shit of that one. Yeah. And then I saw my next special and I went, oh. Well, I know what my next one's going to be. So that's sort of what I'm sitting on. If you had asked me a year ago how I felt about my special, it was different. Yeah. But now I'm out there every weekend, these long sets, it's all different. Well, up I, until when you did that special, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't, I don't think you were doing many headlining right. weekends by yourself you're doing a lot of the death squad tours yep. and then and touring with rogan yep and now you've kind of gotten away from that i think you did the dc improv uh no i've done a bunch i, I do the road every weekend though i yeah. just did providence and uh i mean austin houston seattle portland everywhere i go everywhere yeah. it's and it's a it's a, you learn a great deal about yourself when oh, yeah. you are the last person and no one, Attell told me this one time. Mm-hmm. He was like, enjoy these years. Enjoy them, man. Write as much as you can because it's a very different monster when they paid to see you yeah. and it's your show. And yeah. I was like, I was like, oh, give me that day. Oh, yeah. And when the day happened, and by the way, I don't, I don't even, this will, this is another perspective shift for you to take a look at. But I don't think that day really started happening for me until January of this year. Wow, I love that. I mean, January of this year was the first time where people were like like when I first did Rogan and I told the machine mm-hmm. changed my career globally yeah me, uh, nationally 
Like definitely I, globally. Like I've it met definitely those people in Australia and Sweden. Oh. And they're animals. Um, and I and people were calling out the machine, but for the most part, I it was still papering rooms. And then in January, things changed entirely, and I went, "Oh fuck!" Now I feel the pressure. And I and by the way, I was writing new material, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Fuck!" I remember I want to say. I, I know I talked to Tom obsessive about it. Yeah. So I was like, dude, because Tom had been there already for like a year and a half, two years. Yeah. He had already been uh, at that place where he's like, yeah, things shifted for me. Totally. And and by the way, I'll show you on the Google Spikes the day it happened. Um, Google Trends. Oh, I'm going to hate this Google thing. Trends. This is going to ruin me. N- no. <laughs> no. Because you can't, because you compare yourself, you can compare yourself to other comics. Oh, shit. Oh, dude, this will... This so it probably oh, man watch I'll show you it's so much fucking fun but to go back to the thing you were just talking about about headlining you know another thing people don't realize is whatever when you're the new guy in town with like podcast heat according to the club managers or owners or bookers with I don't know if they do this to you but they will always throw their absolute ace fastball <laughs> throwing feature right before me right I love that you're I love that you're telling me this because they Fuck, yes you dude. know what I'm talking yes, about and yes. they have all those local jokes you have no idea what they're even talking and about dude this let me tell you reminds something. me of the Washington Interstate at two thirty and I'm sitting you're standing oh. in the green room like oh, I got this fucking cry and you hear references like that and you hear a roar from the audience. And it's literally like what I'd imagine a UFC fighter going through in the green in their locker room when you hear the crowd like oh in another fight and yep. you're like whoa shit's real and that guy's going for your head if you think the local feature doesn't want everybody telling him you were man I, that guy was good but you to be honest you were my favorite. Because we've gotten that, I'm sure, right? As features, you know, it's not always the smartest audience member. They don't realize that maybe, and they don't realize that not maybe, but definitely the features doing 20 to 25 minutes of gas, all their gas that they've ever created. So however long their career is, that's the 25 of the crunched up heat continuous. No need for for fat. Whereas the person doing an hour, hour, 15, hour and a half, has to take you on a ride, let you breathe, do this and that. It's a whole thing. But the challenge is what – that's when I get, like, literally amped up, dude. I get silly right before – when I'm headlining on the road. Like, I don't show it at the comedy store, you know, cool as a cucumber. Maybe you'll yeah. see me walk across the back of the room once or twice, like, you know, just walking it off. But I literally get, like, fucking, like – like, like – I'm about to go into an octagon or something there's, like that. You know that. there's comics that it's the opposite for. There are comics that are cool and cute, like give two fucks on the road. Then they go to the comedy store and they're like, oh, fuck, I better bring my A game. Right. I, I'll tell you, I, I was one of those guys. My first set at the comedy store, which I, I'm is like there's a couple things in my life where I go, hey, man, you'll never catch me talking shit about you. You just did me a solid when you didn't know that it mattered to me. Yeah. Uh, Judd Apatow's one. I'll never talk shit about that guy because he brought me up at the comedy store um, my first time ever wow. doing a set there. He Tosh bumped me. Judd Apatow bumped me. And I was like, and this is my first set ever. Wow. And Judd Apatow says, who's next? To the uh, Off to the side. And he goes, uh, Bert, Bert. And he goes, okay. 
Uh, this next guy, you saw him on, uh, he had a show on Travel Channel called Trip Flip. He had another show called Birth Conquer. Put your hands for Burt Kreischer. And I went, he pronounced my name right. Holy yeah. shit. He knew two of my credits. And I went, dude, it's my first time performing here. You could have very easily not, you probably don't know who I am. Right. But the fact that you took a second to go, the guy I bring up next, how do I pronounce his name? Yeah. What is it? Uh, what are his credits? Didn't come to me. He did that. I went, dude, you're a comic forever you're not you're obviously a great producer in film, but you're a comic in my heart and you are always be a friend i will never talk shit about you i won't let people talk shit about yeah. you like that and the person i saw right after that was you and you say congratulations and you bought me a drink and i went i went dude you don't and every fucking door guy came yeah. by and we're like hey man congratulations man yeah every fu- i'm 44 yeah. i make a fucking dick load of money yeah i don't technically need that in my life right and i was nervous as fuck i was scared i've been in comedy for 18 years and that's why you do need it in your life that's Dude, why you're putting yourself through those challenges adam to make came and sat next is, to me yeah. and he goes hey man i am so sorry about it. i go don't worry about it don't worry about it. i understand the fucking breakdown i get it and adam sat next to me every door guy said congratulations and you came out and bought me a drink you're like congratulations on your first set and i was like in my head i was like do this is like no one knows that this is a bigger this is as big a deal to me as Letterman was yeah I mean it's and those moments they register forever but the thing I'll say is like there's road guys a lot of them massively talented comics that would that are terrified of the comedy store oh no doubt terrified well I started there my first spot ever was in the original room I went there to start I was built in the dark like Bane. So I think that's why like I'm so comfortable there. And by the way, that I take that with me on the road. Even yeah. though I'm comf- uh, even though I'm cool as a cucumber there, my pride says when I'm on the road, I'm repping the comedy store. If I started at the comedy store, I, it has to be crazy the entire time. I have to blow their minds in the first 30 seconds to for me to be, you know, super comfortable. Like, yeah. with something clearly improvised that I couldn't really plan yeah. and just sort of take myself to the zone. And that totally, it's that's interesting because that's the flip. And also, the way that you look at the comedy store is it bigger than Letterman and everything. That's exactly how I looked at it when I started there. And I think oh, yeah. putting a place on a pedestal and making it that big of a deal, because it is, helps you. It pushes you to the limits. Uh, my therapist said to me... That first, right when I got past, I didn't call. I was on the road and I couldn't call my avails the first week. And I talked about it in therapy. I said, you know, I feel really guilty. I, I just, I only have one night home and I feel like I spend with my family. And he said, he said, you know, you, you've talked about this with me, that getting past was a big deal. And you said, you know, one of the things that I wanted the whole time I was on the road doing travel channel and doing the road i was like i want to be i want to work at the comedy store it's one of my it was one of my goals in my career i want to work at the comedy store and my therapist said if you want to work at the comedy store then you have to work at the comedy you have to show up every day and work at the comedy store and he's like so you must work at the comedy store and i was like oh yeah and i was like fuck if i got the one night off i gotta i gotta go if i want that to be my thing and i did my first like i maybe first I don't know how long, but like my first chunk of time, yeah. every night I had off, I was like, and I only had like Monday, Tuesday off, I come in Tuesday night, do three sets, come yeah. in Tuesday night, do three sets, come in, right, and, and it wasn't until the end of the world podcast when I was like, I felt really comfortable and was like, okay, I feel like I, I feel like 
I don't feel like I belong here. I never, feel, I never feel like I belong anywhere. That's part of my problem. But I go, I feel like I feel comfortable here. I don't feel like I need to ask anyone. How do I get a drink? Or where's the bathroom? Or yeah. can I go back? You know, I never and, feel like I belong anywhere either. You know where it really hits me is when I'm at the UFCs with Rogan. No matter what, like. No matter what, no matter where we are, if it's Buffalo or Sacramento, especially Vegas, especially MSG, you know, like, but it's so bizarre being that close to the octagon. One time Leonardo DiCaprio was sitting directly behind me. So I have to do an entire 180 turn to look at Leo DiCaprio who's wearing a ball cap and sunglasses trying to lay low next to Tobey Maguire and one of the guys from Entourage. He doesn't realize he looks like a blood runner in a, a blood diamond runner in Africa because that was his outfit for that. <laughs> I'm like, hello, bro. Um, now, do you feel like, because I, I, I feel like this for you. I feel like, and I felt like this for me. I remember me and Tom Segura and, uh, had shared this conversation. We were the youngest guys headlining uh, Funny Bones at a, for, a, at a, for a period of time. And I felt like there was a target on us. Like, yeah. Like that when... Like when we went on the road, there were guys aimed at taking us down. No doubt. And do you feel like that? No doubt. Without a doubt. And they're also, you know, I'm just guessing here because I would be if I was them. They're, they think that we aren't real. You know what I mean? They think like, oh, I do this in my hometown just like they do they just so happen to be friends with joe rogan and blippity blop and they got lucky with that if i lived in la i'd probably have that they start to rationalize and i get it that's what we're all we're all sort of doing that we're all sorting sort of trying to hype ourselves up as much as we can and think that we're special um and they're out for blood man they want to be number one and if they get just one of those shows just one then they won. That's the way I look at it. Like, you can't give them any slack or... And, you know, I'm always super nice to them and everything. You know what I mean? Like, way over the top nice. But I know they're out for blood. It's like House of Cards shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where it's like, I know that when I walk out of that room, they're going, this is about me. It's been 10 years since I felt that. Uh, probably more than 10 years. Probably maybe 12 years since I felt that. Um, and now it's so funny... I have made so many friends by having those weekends where you have a guy who doesn't know who you are, mm-hmm. and maybe you go to the condo and get high with him, and he says some off sh- off color shit to you, mm-hmm. like uh, "How'd you get? How'd you become? How, who do, whose dick do I got to suck to headline?" Right. And you're like, "Hold on, I didn't suck anyone's dick, man. I'm just yeah. doing the work." And then, and then you break down, and then one day they they'll say to you like, "Hey, man, like, what? Can you talk to Aaron for me, or can like?" What, what am I doing wrong? Like, why am I not a headliner yet? I'm yeah. the same age as you, and I'm not headliner. What am I doing wrong? And you go, and you have an honest conversation, when they, and then they become friends, and you're like, and then now that is the norm for me, and I, and so much so that I don't really bring a feature with me because I do believe that there is good in everyone, and I believe that those guys that were trying to be dicks when you were younger, mm-hmm. that are maybe still younger, or your same age or whatever, that do the local shit that sometimes can be hacky. I go. I, b- I believe in local comedy. I believe in telling whoever Stroop or 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 or, or uh, Mark Grossman yeah. in Philly. I go. Yeah, put me with your what, your favorite guy. Put him with me. It's a, it's a sold out weekend. They'll have great shows. They're going to murder. And I can sit back and watch her act and go like say things to them. Like I pulled one guy aside and it was a tell said it to me. I was like, I was like, hey man, work on some writing. 
Like, you got a bit up and running. It kills. You know that. Yeah. Like, what doesn't kill? Throw, just throw a couple of those in the middle and try to figure it out. That's the point of the art form. The art form isn't to go up and murder and see if you can get your dick sucked. Exactly. That is the antithesis of it. Yeah. The art form is go up and throw in your sloppy shit in the middle. Yeah. Close strong, open strong, but figure out some stuff. Take some chances. Growth and, is and by everything. chances, I don't mean do something that you saw me do on the late show yeah. that you think you could probably do too, like bring a chick up on stage. I'm saying take chances with material. Right. If if it in say it's an hour set, if you get only a new five seconds, if it's five seconds in, that in which you crack up, in which it's like fuck, it's in there. I literally say it with my weird style of stand up. I'll literally say to an audience, I'll riff something into a joke, and I'll say it. A hundred percent of the time I do it. Now, it's literally become part of my style where I'll go, wow, that part wasn't part of that joke. And I just wrote that shit in front of you. Born here in Boston where you know what I mean. And they fucking double down. They get it because I've been I open up like a book after, you know what I mean? Like, you know, somewhere between three and ten minutes in, in which after I initiate contact, I'll share anything. Somebody uh, gets up, I call it out. Somebody farts or whatever. The air conditioner goes on, whatever's going on. You know what I mean? Sometimes those crazy shows, like I was in San Antonio, I think it was San Antonio. And I said, and it was chaos. It was fucking chaos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mark Zupan from Murderballs there, who's in a wheelchair, and he rolls on stage. What? Oh, does a shot. It was that night ended by the way with Mark Zupan falling out of his wheelchair. <laughs> How do you fall out of a wheelchair? You're so drunk that you, you get- fall out of your wheelchair. And then the next day we were supposed to do a podcast, and I was like, I'm so fucked up from hanging out with you that I cannot talk. Um, but I said to someone, it was chaos. I thought you were going to say, I'm so fucked up from hanging out with you. I can't walk. Do you have a, Do you have another wheelchair? <laughs> I want to go to lunch with you. Do you have another wheelchair? Um, but I said to the audience halfway through, I went, and it was chaos. And I went, by the way, this is the art form. Like, th- just so you know, this is the art form I fell in love with. The fucking chaos that you got to put together yeah. and still try to t- try to elbow in a bit. Oh, yeah. And, and elbow in a – and by the and I don't – And it's hard. Once you create something that's oh. insanity, and I'll literally say that. I'll go, I have no idea how I'm going to follow this with my – written material this shit is ridiculous that when crowd work goes insane and the guy you know blah 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 or and you know it just gets it can be so perfect sometimes and it can happen five minutes in ten minutes in and you're like fuck dude i cannot let off the gas for a second now that's yeah. the only way to do it is like you just can't slow down then yeah you, you gotta you gotta like <laughs> that 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 opportunity you were gonna give them to give them a show and let it breathe is now over or else you're gonna it's gonna be hard work after that it's so funny i i feel like not i'm not saying i've been doing it so long but i feel like when i do see brilliance happen in the room in the moment i get scared of it and i go huh I go, we could definitely start digging this hole, but if we do dig this hole and we find gold, then all we're doing is digging the hole for the rest of the show. Yep. It's really uh it really is a fascinating fucking It is. I think once I think and it's what that's what's great about our art form is I think once more people do figure out more about it and the psychology of the rooms and how each room's different. One guy came up to me last night. He's like, "Hey man, nice to meet you." Ba 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 ba. I just saw all three of your sh- uh, all three of your shows in Chicago. I go, "You saw three of my shows?" He goes, "Yeah, that weekend you did at Zanies was unbelievable. I was just going to come the Thursday night. I ended up coming Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I'm like, wow, nice to meet you." Yeah. I literally, without any hesitation, go, "What's a note that you noticed?" after watching me three shows that you wouldn't have noticed after the first show. Yeah. And he goes, well, one thing I noticed about your 
shows, it seemed like the crowd was sort of on a delay. They were laughing at what you were saying, but there was it was it, it was almost like they were laughing after you were saying it when you were setting up for the next thing. And I go, that's be- that's an interesting note. First of all, thank you. And I explained to him because I knew what it was immediately when he started saying it. I started telling him about the room, Zany's in downtown to where it's, it's small, literally right? it's like small 90 but it, seats well no it's like 160 but it goes straight back deep tight walls left and right which i love because i don't move around much at all i'm yeah. very like very stoic and when i do move it's still just like within my little parameter um which by the way uh dog ear that keep going and I'm explaining to him, like, well, the stage there is super high. So psychologically, people are naturally thinking that I'm talking down to them and all this stuff. And I just start spelling out from all this little shit that only really surgeons know about. Yeah. But since I knew from him going to three shows that he might find it interesting and he gave me an interesting thing that he thought I really didn't notice – you know, all of a sudden we're talking about it. And it reminds, you know, I always use these UFC analogies and I'm going to do another one. Like someone who's never seen the UFC before is like, wow, well, that punching part's cool, yeah. right? But yeah. I don't get it when they get down on the ground. That part seems boring. Whereas if you talk to anybody who's been, who really knows the art form and gets more into it, you realize the punching part's fucking awesome. Sure. Punches are great. We all love it. You can't be punches unless it's the slow chest movements of jujitsu and where a guy decides to put his arm is winning or losing. Where you're watching a guy lock his legs on one on a guy's one leg so he can't get side control, yeah. And you're like, wait, what the fuck? What? Yeah. What's he doing? And you're like, watch, 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 watch. Yeah. Oh, there he got his. Yeah. And when you see it, you see it. But if you're looking at if you're looking at it as a blob, but when you see, notice the little things, it gets more and more interesting. Yeah. And that's I think a big part of the UFC's upward success and because it's a beautiful art form, it truly is. And yeah. once you realize that those boring parts aren't boring. And what I'm saying is the entire art form of stand-up to me is like that, in which it's, I feel like, sort of like the mad, unlike being a magician, to where once something's exposed, you're like, oh, I get it now. Now I'll know how all those tricks work. I feel like there's not really, it's not like that with stand-up. With all the different styles and evolutions of a comedian, I feel like the more people know about these things and how rooms are different and how ooh the first show compared to the second show mm-hmm. i had i gone to the second show we probably would have gotten to hang out more with the comedian afterwards or you know what i mean because we had <laughs> they had to rush us out to see the second show it's a lot of my fans are like hey man I didn't get to have a drink with you. And I was like, well, you went to the first show. I did a fucking hour meet and greet yeah. and then I went back and I literally walked right on stage. Yeah. I I I feel like uh yeah, I my my what you do your meet and greets while the show's already started. I have I to. It's an hour, hour meet and greet. I didn't realize we could really do that. That's an interesting thing. Oh, yeah. Because might- I've always sort of had to, like, just either super dip out and, like, just wave to people real quick or – but I didn't – Yeah, but you can do that. I don't have that luxury. Right. Like, I have, I have such an approachability. Yeah. Like, the people that listen to this podcast know me very intimately. Right, exactly. And so when they come out to a show or they have seen me on Rogan, I'm so – open and honest sometimes to an uncomfortable place that when they come up to me they want to have everyone wants to which is fine everyone wants to have a minute and tell me their story and then 
or why they like the podcast or what they like about the podcast or what they liked about like or they're losing weight and and what are you know what's Tom like or you know Have you been to Australia yet? Yeah, not to do stand up just to do a you TV show. You got to stand up there, dude. I just Those got an offer. I just got an offer to do it in November. Nah, spoiler alert. Do it November well, summer there. I, th- I have a feeling I have a feeling that uh they gave me the offer, and they're like, we noticed you had two weeks free in November. And I was like, yeah, we have Thanksgiving. It was one of those weeks. <laughs> I can't go for that. But uh, my wife's the one that is uh, very anti-international touring. Ooh. It's my lifestyle. Ah. She knows that uh, that when I go abroad, it gets fucking insane. Yeah. Because like, yeah, cause my clock's off. And I'm fucking. I really am inspired. As silly as this sounds, I'm inspired by travel. Yeah. Like it really makes it really makes my my juices flow. And so, like we did London, and the show sold out very quickly. And I was like, I started going add another show, add shows, yeah. like add as many shows as we can. And my wife's like, no. She's like, no, because I won't have you for a whole day. Because the whole day I'm thinking about the show. I'm like, I'm like I'm abroad. I'm trying to notice things. Like the one joke I wrote in England was, uh, they're very proud of their torture. Like, you, there's so many places where you can tour where they're like, this is our torture show. We used to put his balls in a vice. And I was like, we tortured in America, but we can't really bring it up. We're like, oh, I don't know who you're talking about. We never broke half their foot so they couldn't run away. And so, uh, but that's where my head is that whole day is writing jokes for that show. My wife's yeah. like, nah, you're here with your family. You could do your podcast, do as many podcasts as you want, dip out on any tour you want. But when it comes to shows at night, we don't have you for that day and we don't have you for half of the next day because you're recovering. Right. But uh, but yeah, those meet and greets for me, I'll do a full meet and greet. The lines are are thankfully very long right now, and uh, and usually I'll get done the meet and greet and go right on stage because hmm. the feature and host have already wrapped their show. That's great. I didn't really realize that's a thing. Well, that if you if you that's going to help a lot of people from the first show. Sometimes I just don't go out. And I need yeah. to do that because I don't go out because I realize that if I go out, I'll be I feel I feel like I'll be blocking something. But if I tell no, them, no. That, Dude, there's so many people that want to meet you and just and just yeah. like they hear you on Rogan or they hear you on this or they hear you on Kill totally. Tony, and and they're like, and they're like, hey man, I got a question. Yeah. Like so many like, can I tell you the coolest thing about this fucking podcast? I've talked about Isla's dyslexia, and guys that listen, obviously, if you listen to the podcast, you probably aren't. You're probably a big reader, but you probably aren't. Like, I'm not a big reader. That's why I listen to podcasts. And a lot of them have dyslexia. And they've all emailed me on my fan site. Just a bunch of misspelled emails coming at you. <laughs> Dear Treb. <laughs> um, and so... <laughs> and so uh, and so Leanne's gotten a bunch of really great books to read about dyslexia to help Isla. And, like, one of them changed is changing Isla's life. And I was like... And it's just some guy came up to me after a show and he's like, I know Isla's dyslexic. I'm dyslexic. I've got a great book. It really helped me. Guys are like, have you read Henry Winkler's books? He, he writes in a dyslexic font. And then I tell it wow. to Leanne. Dude, it, the, it's a dialogue. It's a dialogue that is extremely valuable to me. You know, it, it'll and like there will be people coming up going, hey, man, why didn't you ask Tony about this? Mm-hmm. Why didn't you ask Tony about that? And you'll go, oh, cool. I'll have him on next time. Like, I did a podcast with um, Henry Phillips, and a bunch of people hit me up, and they're like, dude, you missed a lot of points. So then I did one with Chris Fairbanks yesterday that'll go out after this one. This one's next week. Chris Fairbanks will be the week after. And then Henry Phillips and Chris Fairbanks and I are going to do a three-way podcast and drink. That's what I told you. My, My double podcasts... 
We got to do one night with like some nice whiskey, me, you, and like Red Band or Ari or or like or I'd love to get Rogan on the podcast, but he's just so busy, and I really feel bad asking him because I asked him one time and he was like he was like yeah we can do that or you can just come on mine and I was like and I was like definitely I'd much rather go on yours than you be on mine because. 20 million people hear it as opposed right. to a million. And everybody that listens to yours will definitely listen to that. Exactly. Yeah. And I was, and, and so now I, I'm always hesitant to ask, I would not even hesitant. I just don't ask because I was like, I don't want it to look like I'm lobbying to get on his because he's such a cool guy. He'd be like, just come on mine. Yeah. And, and I'm like, eh, if, if, if he wants, to, we talk. If he, if he wants to do a podcast, I'll ask. You know what yeah. I mean? And by the way, I don't say that. I'm not fishing. I'm just saying, like, it's the way, like, like same with you. I don't ever ask to go on Kill Tony. But if you want me on, you'll text me, right. can you do Kill Tony? Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, of course. It's so funny you mentioned not wanting to ask him to do that because I literally am doing my podcast with him tonight. Oh. I asked him and he's showing up to the comedy store an hour early to do uh, The Pony Hour? Yeah. The Pony yeah. Hour, my new podcast where I just talk to people like this. It's fun. Yeah. It's I like this. I wouldn't get... Like I'll bump into you at the store and we'll ha- have a drink or yeah. talk quickly about yeah. some. Everybody's floating around there, but it's really nice, you know. Like one of my favorite people in the world, and we just were with him is Greg Fitzsimmons. Yeah, Fitzsimmons, man, I've respected that guy for eighteen fucking years, and it wasn't until I got a podcast about it that I became friends with him. And it, and by the way, his podcast is the best version of. What is this? What I'm doing is like a mashup of like Marin Rogan. Like I don't Rogan's just fucking whatever he finds interesting. That's on the podcast. Yeah. Um, I'm the same way, but there are people that I find interesting that my fans are like, ah, I'm sorry, Bert. Yeah. I get that you're interested in that, but that is not interesting to me at all. Like black sales. I'm obsessed with black sales. I had the the creator of black sales on my podcast, and they're like, and thirty thousand people were like, that was cool. Huh? And what's black sales? It's a TV show that I love. It's all about pirates. So fucking good! It's ending this season, so you missed the ship. No pun, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, Black Sails is awesome. And and but then if I put like Arian Renazizi on here, it's probably my biggest. Mm-hmm. And I could talk to them for four hours. Yeah, I think I I think I might have talked to them for like three hours, three and a half hours because we got drunk and Ari couldn't finish a sentence. But uh, <laughs> but then that's when everyone shows up and they're like, that's what we're talking about. More of comics, more of drinking, yeah. more of con- like just. My buddy Dan today said, you know what I like about your podcast? Uh, he goes, it's a really like uh, ADD conversation that bounces all around the place. Yeah. And he's like, and you makes you not want to turn it off. Cause you're like, wait, 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 where's, I know you guys brought up Google Trends. When are you going to finish that conversation? <laughs> yeah. Right now. So this is Google Trends. <laughs> so what's beautiful about Google Trends is you can find out, I'll do it this way so you can see. Oh, fuck. I just fucked it up. Um, Man, this is exciting. I can't believe I'm going to find out a new thing that I'm going to have to check like everything else. So you can find out where people are, when, pe- when people are finding you on the internet and how many people are finding you. Wow. So that's it. Now here's the really you tricky part. You just look up anybody's? Uh, yeah. Yes. Just type something into a search bar and that pops up? Yeah. Now, so what's better is you can compare. Oh. So now you can compare. Put my name in there. No, I'm not going to do you because that would be Hurt my feelings. Uh, I'll do uh, Tom Segura. <laughs> yeah. By the way, he's my barometer for success because I know what he's making on the road, and so I judge my Google Trends on my income. <laughs> so I when love it, that. When it spiked like that, I was like that big spike. I was like, 
I was like, oh, shit, because I know what Tom was making in clubs. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I'm going to make that this year. And then I did. <laughs> but this is well, – Tom's will blow you away. Tom – well, I, actually, this isn't a good one because Tom – like, see that double spike right there? Where we wow. see that spike, where that big one for me, and then yeah, for him, that, that's, you know that you know what that is? That's Bert is fat. Yep. Wow. Isn't that crazy? Well, I mean, you guys really shot out of the stratosphere. And then watch. That. Let's see. Ari will be on the same one. Huh. Ari doesn't come up for some reason. I think. Man, that's crazy. Ari Shafir. It's it's uh. It's really fucking fat. Doug Benson introduced it to me. So then. Man. Oh, fuck. I'm into Instagram stories now. No, Ari's not coming up. But here, I'll do. I'll show you you. I'll show you you. And then I'll show you Rogan against you. Okay. This is Rogan's a really fun one to type into Google Trends. (laughs) Rogan and Bill Burr because they're. And by the way, the king is Daniel Tosh. Wow. Tony. Yeah, he's he's got a lot of viewers H- over there. H i n c h. Yep. L k c l i f f e. H i n c h c l i f f e. Tony Hinchcliffe. Oh, it's not even showing up. No, I'm, I might have spelled it wrong. Oh my god, I'm not even a blip on the map. This is when Tony you... Tony Hinchcliffe right there, right? Yep. Is I spelled it right? Yep. I did. H i n c. Okay. I'm not go. popping Here's, up. No, no, no. You're popping up. Here's your Google Trends. Oh no, I'm so scared. This is when this is that time on a live podcast when Bert realized that I'm not famous enough to even be oh, trending. <laughs> you fucking froze my phone. <laughs> it up. Really is. Holy I was shit. making a joke, but this is really. I I don't think you could do anything worse to hurt somebody's no, feelings. It just came but... up. It was actually really good. <laughs> but the best is when you. Okay, You're... here's you. Okay. Right? Yeah. That's good. It's really good. Oh, hold on. Come and call. Hey, Rachel, are you there? Hi, Bert. Hey, can I? I'm, I'm, that's okay. I'm wow. doing a I'm doing a podcast right now. Can I call you back? I have a few um, ingredients I want you to look up and see if we can acquire. Sure, sure, sure. Okay, okay I'll call I'll you back. back. Bye. Um. Now, you ready for this? This is going to be very humbling, but it's humbling to all of us. You ready? Yeah. Joe. Joe <laughs> Rogan, Joe Rogan, comedian. <laughs> okay, you're right. Nothing I love you're more ready? than being humbled. That blue one. Oh <laughs> dear God! Oh no! That is fucking insane, right? Oh no, dude! You don't. You all of us. None of us register on his fucking radar. Oh my god! It's crazy. I want to know what happened in October 2015. That's an interesting. Uh, one. It was probably not October. It might be. I wonder if might that's be, the pro wrestling club. That is February, February, February of 2016. 2016. When, that's when your my special, special came out? Yes, January 15th. You can figure it out pretty easily. Okay. Um, I did this with Owen Benjamin. And he was like, whoa, what's that spike? And I and so what you can do is you can go Tony Hinchcliffe, February 2016, and then it'll say, check out your new Netflix. And you're like, oh, that's what it was. And uh, Owen Benjamin, he had a massive spike that blew everyone out of the water. Wow. And it's when he got engaged to Christina Ricci. And he was wow. like, oh, I can't let that be my spike. <laughs> <laughs> it was, and so then me and Owen will text each other back 
and forth and go, I'm spiking right now. Wow. But yeah, the, uh, it's really fucking fascinating. Here, if you want, I'll put you up against like, like this, this is a really good barometer. And this will tell you the business plan of people. Like Joey Diaz has just been committed to his podcast. I remember him telling me, dog, fuck everything else, my podcast. And Joey's a good one. When you type in Joey, he's a, he's a little humbling as well. Mm. Um, he's just on a rise. Well, Same with Duncan. He's the funniest human being in the world, too. Like, look at Joey. Jeez, oh Like, you man. register, you register. But fuck. I gotta get my life together. <laughs> um, I could do this. I, I, I go on when I'm serotonin drops yeah. on Mondays. Yeah. I do three things. I have four things. Uh, I check my Twitter. I check my Instagram. I check my Facebook. I check my Google Trends. And I, and I find that when I am in a weird funk of like no serotonin, I end up doing it almost obsessively in like probably seven times that circle seven times within the day. Of like sit down and I'll check YouTube and I'll be like watch some videos and then I'll be like, what are, and then I'll like, I'll like because you can check like in the past hour mm-hmm. you can check like in the past hour how much of people have googled you for your whole life to, like since 2004 since Google Trends started. Don't you sometimes though when your serotonin drops and you do that to help yourself like doesn't it, it brings you down though? Uh, horrifically. Yeah. That's what my. That's what I'm. My focus is on is not using my phone, right? Not getting online, getting online for stuff that I care about. Yeah. Like today, I got online. The only two things I've done online today, other than this right now, might have posted a tweet or a, a Facebook something. Might have posted something. Yeah. And I uh, that can't be. I can't be great for the podcast. <laughs> and uh, I searched flights. And I uh, and I watched Rogan with uh, the guy he's got on today. I'm really, I only because I had heard him and Jim talking about this guy. Yeah, and then I saw that guy's name pop up. I forget his name. No tax something. What? No taxation, or something like that. I saw. No. Today. Yeah, today he's doing one right now with. Uh, I'm going by his Twitter handle. I don't know his actual name. No taxation or um, something like that was. It stood out to me because I'm like, wow, is this guy doesn't want taxes Colin Moriarty oh I don't know who that is Colin Moriarty he is uh, he is a guy who put out a tweet on the National Day Without a Woman and said uh, something to the fact I'm not I'm misquoting it so don't take it literal but uh, National Day Without a Woman woof so never been so quiet or comfortable around here and and he had to resign from his job at a gaming place. What? Because everyone said it was racist. I did not quote him properly on his wow. tweet. His tweet was a lot funnier than what I just said. Man. But, uh, and Joe and Jim were talking about it. And it just, you know, came up on my phone in the car with my daughter. And I heard them losing their fucking mind about this guy who called that tweet racist, which it wasn't. And so uh, he's on the podcast and I started listening to that. And I'll probably finish listening to that today. Um, that's crazy but those conversations those are the ones on joe's that i i can't get enough of and i'll listen like when norton's on i'll listen to it because norton doesn't he doesn't i'm not saying that those other guys run material but like norton's not there's no bit coming out of norton they're just having a very educated conversation yeah. there's a lot of comics that's doing i'll listen to the fight companion with callan and schwab 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 and uh eddie mm-hmm. only because i think eddie's fucking fascinating yeah it's an interesting thing that you mentioned the running bits on Rogan because I've gotten bits off of talking on Rogan. Yeah. But 
you know what I mean? Like it comes, it, it's one of the like what comes first, the chicken or the egg type of things for me on that show because like I'll get a bit out of that because immediately you realize sort of right if Joe's laughing at something hard then there's something there's a speck of something there yeah i did that early on i would be like if i found a story i still to this day if i if i tell him a story or we get into a story or he asks a question he's intrigued i'll I'll figure try to figure it out on stage Mm -hmm. but um for the most part i don't i i i you know Radio is so different than podcasting, and I don't think you ever got to do radio traditionally the right. way I used to. Right, where you do five stations in the morning. Ugh, I and, dabbled in it, but I know what you're talking. And about. you could run bits on radio and yeah. find bits and figure them out on radio that could go on stage. The first time I did Rogan, I did a bit. Um, this is 2000. I mean, this is a long time ago. I did a bit, and uh, he and is like, I mean. You don't know unless you know Joe, but he just went like this, like, like, <laughs> like not, not, like not, genuinely not laughing, but ask, like, qu- asking, like, right. really, like, <laughs> just genuinely intrigued. And I went, oh fuck, don't ever. I literally was like, I remember I was sitting next to Brian on the couch. This is back when they did it on the couch. Yeah, and I was like, in my head, I was like, this is not radio, right? Because I'd I'd come in like I was doing radio. Yeah. I was like, this is not radio. This is a conversation. I was like, oh, fuck. We're going to have a three-hour conversation. And I was like, oh, you better be involved, Bert. Like, stop with the fucking... One time I fought a bear. (laughs) Right. You know? And then... uh, And then it... And and that's why I say I think podcasting changed the dialogue of comedy is because I then stopped doing my comedy like I was going up and presenting a bit. I I did my comedy the way I do podcasts where it's like a a conversation that you have. And that's why I think when it's done properly, like a conversation, you you can find things so you can get a bit out of it. That's what's great. It's almost like what we were talking about earlier about, you know, taking chances, take chances in the middle because it's more fun to get a little something than it is to uh, just kill. And it's the same thing with podcasting. Like, if you find it in a conversation that you wouldn't normally have, you remind yourself of something. It just so happens that maybe a month or two later when you're on the road and you are developing that into a bit, uh, and it, 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 which has happened a few times with me, uh, people are like, oh, yeah, I, rem- I heard that, uh, you know, the bird shit thing on Rogan. Yeah. And or they'll be like, I heard you run it on Rogan, and it's like, no, I I, I wasn't run. You know what I mean? I wasn't that's running the, it. It's, that's the craziest yeah. is when, especially when you say something, and and on a podcast that is funny, <laughs> exactly. But then you're like, yeah. you're like, yeah, it's, there's no, I'm not going anywhere with that. And then they're like, like everyone's always like, uh, the, they're like, talk about your dad shitting his pants, or <laughs> right. talk about your dad being addicted to speed. And I'm like, that that was not a bit, and I don't, I'm not exploring that because my dad will disown me. I said it on a podcast. I apologize. I said it on a podcast, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I think that's I think that's the cool, the most fascinating aspect of you know the whole. The whole and sometimes that's when it turns into a bit is when the audience member brings it up. You know, there was one yeah. where it's like talk, talk, do the joke. They thought it was a joke that I was doing on Rogan, but I had literally almost pooped my pants on the drive back from Sacramento to LA you know that part where there's no exits yeah 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 yeah. yeah. well I had A&W 
I was a vegan for five years, and I'm not going to do the whole story, but I was a vegan for five years. Sorry, and do the shit your pants bit. <laughs> but uh, so people are like, talk about shitting your pants, and I'm like, oh, I don't, you know, I don't want to really, you know, to me, it's a tough premise, you know what I mean? Because like it's right there on the. And then all of a sudden I started doing it. And now it's like it's got these layers because it is, you know, a writer, writer sort of I am w- w- digging into a shit my pants bit. Yeah. So all of a sudden it does have like shitty pants, these layers to it um, in which, you know, all of a sudden it's a smart shit your pants joke. Yeah. Oh, I told a joke to Joe got to take a piss. Uh, on a podcast, <laughs> Joe did. Joe got up. To this take a piss. is unheard of, by the way, an anomaly. What you're talking? We about. did a five hour podcast, and so um, Joe in the middle. We were having so much fucking fun, and Joe in the middle had to go to the bathroom. He goes, "You got." And, and Red Band was there, and uh, I, I feel so weird calling him Red Band, but Brian was there. I, I want to say Brian, but then everyone will be like, "Who's Brian?" Right. And um, Brian and Jamie, and I s- told a story about what had happened that weekend in uh, Cincinnati or or Louisville mm-hmm. and I told it to Brian and Jamie as Joe took took a piss and then he came back and I finished it and they were laughing and Joe was like what was that yeah. and in my head I was like oh that is going on stage yeah. but by the way the only reason I told it was because Joe was leaving and I knew Brian would think it was funny right I was like oh this is this is a total red band move right yeah. here bodily fluids yeah um yeah, did you watch him on uh, Kill Midnight last night? Not Kill Midnight. Yeah, I watched it with Kill him. Midnight. Went up to the store and uh, how was it? It was great. Yeah, it was great. He was so excited. He's I could see, awesome. I could see by his he, p- tweets and posts that he was totally, like, totally. He's television's Brian Redband now. It's fun because it's you know podcast. He's straight up podcast guy. You know, as straight up podcast as it gets. He's the he's the archetype. Yeah. for what thirty percent of the listeners want to be. Like how I get so many emails when I say I'm looking for help on this or I'm looking for help in editing, and you get so many people going, "I'll be your red band, I'll yeah. be your red band, yeah. I'll be your young Jamie," yeah. and you're like, "Like I think Tom Segura calls his blue band, yeah." And then there was yellow band for a while, yeah. The Asian guy, <laughs> it's all very, you know. So like for him to get at midnight, you know, that's really really awesome. It's great. It was great for any of us, but yeah. it's it's great to see Brian cross over into mainstream. Totally. Because, uh, because I think that you know, I think that was his that one joke he told about Bob Hope. I think scared him off the business for a while. Bob Hope. Yeah, he told it at Rogan's. He told it on a Rogan show. It was right during the Iraq War, and I think I don't know. I'm not going to tell the joke. Oh, yet. Wow. He might not. I don't he know. might not. He might not want it shared. Damn. Yeah. But uh, I don't know about this. Yeah, I wish I could smoke with you. I got to go pick up my fucking kids. Uh-huh. Yeah, and I'm like, I would love you gotta to get do hired, that. I, it's after school. You definitely can't. Yeah, what time is it? I don't know. Oh, we're fine. Ah, oh, fuck. <clears throat> um, yeah, I, I'm supposed to leave here at one thirty, one forty-five. You have uh, like a real amazing, like you have like a real human life. I'm totally the opposite. Segura and I have been talking about that a lot lately because, um, you know, you do run into a lot of guys our age where they are not like I, I was eating lunch with my wife the other day and I was thinking of one of our friends who will remain nameless. But I was like, I wonder what he's doing right now. I wonder if he's just alone. Like, if, you know, 44. Is he just having dinner by himself, lunch by himself? And part of me was like, that must be really nice 
to be able, like, but I get that on the road and I yeah. enjoy it on the road. And when I'm home, I am like, you know, like I want to go out. I wanted to go out and fucking do a set tonight. I wanted to work. And my wife's like, I've been on the road, I think 18 weeks straight. And she was like, this is your week home. She's like, what you should do is uh, plan like a, like a, a, like a project tomorrow, like a regular dad would. And go to Home Depot. And, and I was like, fuck yeah, I've been wanting to seal my shower. I know who you are. I know you listen to this podcast. I appreciate the advice. I'm doing that tomorrow. Uh, I want to seal my shower. So, like, do you smoke weed before doing things like that? No. 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 If, I'm, if I'm home with the girls, I'm pretty there. Huh. Meaning, like, even the whole week, I don't even really... Weed, me- weed really messes you up, huh? Uh, it's a party for me. Once yeah. I smoke, it's a party. Yeah. Like, uh... I smoked the other morning before radio, before press. Yeah. I had like a f- aggressive press, yeah. and I enjoyed it so much. Yeah. But then I got back to my room and I couldn't go to sleep, and I couldn't work out, mm-hmm. and I was hungry, and I'm like, "Fuck, that was a bad idea." Yeah. And if I was home, and I've done it before, like when we have like a pool party at a friend's house or something, and there's a lot of parents, and I don't have any responsibilities, I might take a couple hits and have a few drinks. But for the most part. That was one of our friends, Tom and Sandy, lived here, and they both smoked pot. But for the most part, like, I'll, the my gluttonous will be this cigar today, mm-hmm. and then uh, go get the girls, uh, have a conference call um, in, at, like, 2... Wait, no. Wait, when's my conference call? I have a conference call at 2. That's what I have. I have a conference call at 2. I got to pick the girls up. I got to leave her at 145, pick up the girls, have a conference call, and then I'll come home. And then it's pizza night. That's Friday night every hour at our house. That's so cool. That's cool if you're not on a fucking diet and you have to make cauliflower pizza. Oh. Yeah. Cauliflower, cauliflower is the crust? It's really good. It's actually. Oh, my goodness. A lot of, I hate to say this, but a lot of what I do with the Blue Aprons yeah. is I substitute their rice for um, shredded cauliflower. Wow. And it's the healthiest fucking meals you'll ever have. God. Great sauces. I'm doing Blue Apron Reads through this fucking podcast. But, yeah. um, and then you can do cheat. I cheat mode off theirs. Like, I'll look at what they said, and then I'll go, oh, I'm going to go do that on one, like this whole week. I've been doing that. I've but, been, uh, I've been really bad. I just order delivery all the time, anytime I want to. I figure I'm just working so hard and, you know, treat yourself, and I just get straight up delivery. I, would love to I used to cook for myself more but now I'm just like a little like I'm like a grown boy I smoke weed continuously I made friends with Snoop Dogg recently yeah like actual friends (laughs) and he he sort of inspires me to just he treats weed every day yeah he treats marijuana like it's you know like it's just a normal casual thing I'll do that at night. Like sometimes late at night, I will, if I if I've had like if we've been somewhere, we had some wine. I'll come home, smoke some weed, and try to shoot something in my man cave that I think is interesting. Or like I'll write down some ideas of things I want to shoot. Um, there's a thing I want to shoot so bad. I'll show you real quick. But I got this. I came home and I had these little Kiva um, blueberry oh, yeah, chocolate chocolates. Yeah. And uh, one's like five milligrams, which isn't a lot. Mm-hmm. I'll split it in half. That's like two milligrams. That's nothing. Yeah. But it's that threshold marijuana, right, where you just feel inspired. Then you can have a cocktail and you feel a little buzz, but you're not high as fuck. You can really write. I feel like once I've – I'm all – I've heard about this. I'm thinking on Rogan about threshold treatments of hallucinogens where people are taking the base milligram of a hallucinogen. Oh, yeah. Microdosing. Microdosing. That's yeah. it. Microdosing. So sometimes I'll take – 
five milligrams or like two and two and a half milligrams of the, of of an edible and just go all right i got 45 minutes to sit here and think of an idea and then once i think of that idea this is when it blossoms by the way that's i used to do this thing on my podcast of uh intros where i did sketches of different characters mm-hmm. that's microdosing that was yeah. me going like do paul revere meeting a guy promoting your wilbur show like yeah. and so uh but yeah for the most part I like Did to, Speedo ever hit you back up? No, but Australia, that's where Speedo's located. Yeah. they When they reached out about the tour, they're like, giving you a heads up, Speedo's located here. We can make this happen. Dude, that's the greatest that stuff was a, ever. By the way, I think I was smoking weed that day. <laughs> it was like one of those days where the kids are in the pool, the parents got it. You're not doing anything but hanging out and cooking dinner. And I have this great PAX pen, and I'll fill it up with whatever <laughs> Joey recommends for me at, at, oh, at our weed dispensary. Yeah. And I take like two hits and I just, you get creative. Yeah. I love the feeling. However, when your kids are around, you just, it's, I, you can totally smoke weed around your kids. There's no problem with it. It doesn't make you fucking, you got to throw them out a window. Right. But for the most part, I like to be available for them. If they're like, let's go on a bike ride. Yeah. I'm like, let's do a bike. Let's go do a bike ride. Yeah. It's also dangerous. I read an article with Robert Downey Jr. where he was like, so funny. Now that I'm off drugs, I don't need black tar heroin to watch Teletubbies. And I was like, <laughs> Oh. <laughs> he's so extreme black tar heroin but what does your day look like 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 what does your day look like today like well it's always insanely busy for as mellow of a gig that i have because i'm always developing and working on multiple shows or multiple crazy gigs at once um in which you know it's like sort of like dream gigs i get to take little writing jobs my i've been lucky enough to get you know a cool team of agents and managers Who's like, your, what was your first writing job first writing job was working with jeff ross on roast i was making fun of comedians i was hosting the open mics at the comedy store and okay. i was, just got a reputation for being like man you know there one more time for that guy you know looks like a you know whatever and it's i was just writing on roast with jeff yeah okay and the Friars Club roast and the Comedy Central roast, and then we made a show called The Burn. I remember that show. Two thousand October two thousand eleven, and uh, that was fun. That was my first like staff, staff, staff super writer. How old job. were you? I was uh, 26, 25, okay. 27, 26, 27. Yeah, and um, broke as fuck at the time, you know. So the money was like huge, and. Uh, so that was my first one. And now I've gotten to the point to where after six comedy central roasts and I've literally just gotten to take my pick at what I want to do. And if I wanted, if I wanted to write for a writing job right now, I could pretty much do it. But instead, right. That's the fucking multiples of my own thing. And while building an infrastructure during it all, you know, so that people when it happens like it's like there's a little bit of a you know can i tell you where what i do if i could do it all over yeah and i this is and you it's right up what you're just saying i want my goal in this business is uh and i'm kind of rolling the dice on this i've been turning down some easy money projects that i don't i don't find technically fulfilling like right now, I'm like my stand up is great, my podcast is great, like two really good things I'm putting out there. Yeah, I go. Let's just find out good stuff to put it out. 
But my goal is to have a shingle, have an office where I got like three young kids who are really hungry and no technology and, and are really passionate. Yeah. And it's close. I can ride my bike or skateboard there. Mm-hmm. And to be able to walk in and say, here's what we're working on today. Yeah. And and for you, I see that as like like that. You, that would turn – if I could jump into your body for – that's weird, but – if I could jump into your body for a year, yeah. I'd focus all my energy on that because that would turn into a fucking conglomerate. Yeah, like because you, because you're so ripe with ideas, yeah, and uh, and thoughts that are a little bigger than what you know, like the one shot thing is just out of the scope of what guys were thinking about. Yeah, I want to show you the thing, but like I totally agree with you. By the way, and that's you just absolutely nailed. You just nailed exactly what my dream world is right now i'm doing it by myself i'm overwhelmed dude we all are my manager's overwhelmed i don't know i feel bad for whoever else my manager reps what management (laughs) because if he's spending 50 minutes every other day at least on the phone with me about whatever the fuck we're talking at least 45 fucking like we're just riffing and like i mean literally like talking about productive work yeah and fucking you know you're so right though if i had three uh like we were talking about yellow bands you know what i mean hungry people yeah because that's exactly what i'm doing i've told my business manager i go let's let's incorporate that into a budget i'll take a gig i had an investment into that it would pay off so ridiculously it's what joe joe is the one that set that Joe and Adam Carolla kind of set up that paradigm of like, let's lock it down. Yeah. Let's put and down roots and create, do what we want to do. I mean, the fight companion, that's not an idea that anyone would ever green light. Like, right. it, Joe just had to do it. Yeah. And that's just, Carolla and Rogan did that. And that's just with podcasting. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, well, it Carolla's be doing it. Carolla's doing it production with company. movies, yeah. with TV shows. Yeah. And that's the goal. And, and But the problem is, you got to make, you got to make a couple million a year in order to deficit fund that yeah um and i'm still going to people to get money like I i'm guess I no mean, you have to i'm, I'm telling you well and not if single all you got to make is a million uh, but with kids you got to make two million yeah um it's incredible though so my day ends up being i pretty much wake up slightly hungover um from whatever you know maybe it was just you know i don't drink that much but i do drink often like at night. So yeah. it's usually just like two, three, four maybe drinks. And that fucks me up. I'm, you know, 100 and, I don't know, 50 pounds of just pure bones. I'm just made of bones. I fuck chicks your size. <laughs> <laughs> you probably fuck the shit out of them, too. Oh, she's over there. <laughs> you better walk it in. <laughs> she's 131, everybody. She would lose her shit. <laughs> I told her when she was a... Um, so, I, yeah, I wake up slightly hungover. And uh, I try to go for a short run before having my first uh, coffee and cigarettes of the day and getting it all going and laying out the plan. Or Normally, it's already laid out now. So it's always a mishmash of just I have, uh, you know, pals that I'm working on different things with come over in different time slots unless I'm doing one of the three podcasts that I do. But, which kill, kill Tony. Tony's at night, Monday's at 8. Then there's the Pony Hour, which I just tape and stockpile and release whenever whenever somebody's available really is what i wire around yeah you're 
totally coming up next, but you're on Kill Tony on Monday. Um, and the pro wrestling podcast that I do with my buddies called the store horseman, which is the, probably the funniest podcast that I, that, do. that I've not heard. And I feel like I know everything about podcasts. Yeah. We just are starting to That's pop right, you, right you now. Wrote for, you wrote for WWE, right? Actually, no, they offered me a job and that I it. didn't do it. I didn't take it. You and Sam Roberts and Cole Cabana and like a few of you guys got me back interested in pro wrestling. My buddy Cowhead obviously oh. got me interested, back interested in pro wrestling. And I was like, I ended up, now I know what the pipe bomb thing is. Yeah. And if like, you watched it with us, if you came over and watched one pay-per-view with the group of comedians that we that I hang out with, you would die of laughter. We literally, it's just the, there's nothing like, you've heard of comedians in cars drinking coffee? Yeah. Well, let me tell you what the most extreme, hilarious version of that is. Comedians in living rooms watching pro wrestling. Like, it's oh. ridiculous. You The riffs and the, if it's somebody's first time seeing somebody, it's always like their initial thing. For us, the people that know the characters, it's always doubly hilarious to see that person's take on to, that. I would love to, because I don't know anything about pro wrestling. I've been trying to talk Joe Rogan. This is one where I felt bad for. It was last night, I riffed, I was hanging out with Joe, and I literally go, hey man, uh, we gotta do a pro wrestling companion. He goes, he goes, I don't have time for that shit. Like, <laughs> I'm like, of course you don't. What am I thinking? I but wish I had do. that. The traits I wish I had. Let's do this. We'll name a comic, uh-huh. and then Name their admirable trait that they that they have that you wish you had more of. I did. I just did this on my walk with my wife. Oh, this is. But I d- only did it to like, um, uh. So Bill Burr. Um, I wish I had more of his money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That 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 one sounds great. Um, I mean, you know, respect. Oh, I mine for Bill. It, yeah, that would be a great. That was a good one. Um, mine for Bill is I wish I had his obsessiveness about the bit. He, it's unbelievable. He come, has an idea, yeah. and then you can you can watch him if you spend enough time with him. You can watch him chew it in conversations with you. You can watch him think it, and it's really admirable. I've seen him do it a handful of times where you go. Where you go, you're just talking, but you're so funny naturally. You've been thinking about this all fucking day, haven't you? And he's like, all month. Yeah. And then that, Attell has that same thing. I yeah. wish I had both that about them. You want to hear an interesting little short story about me and Bill Burr from when I was just a door guy? Fuck yeah. So my whole mentality when I started at the store By the way, was fly. Yeah. I got to tell you this. The only other person that started one of these stories on this podcast ever, and I'll lead, I'll lead the show with this. Is Chris Fair? I'll edit this part out, but Chris Fairbanks, yet last week, the other yesterday, said, "You want to hear an interesting story?" And I said, "Yeah." And he goes, "The day Mitch almost lost his leg," and I went, "Hold on one second, slow this down. Uh, Tell me this whole story." And he was like, "Oh, amazing fucking story." He tells, I, "I'm not going to spoil it, but he was the one that had to go to the hospital," and I was like, "Shut the fuck up!" It was one of the most amazing stories I've ever fucking heard. That's next week on Birthcast. What was it? What was the story about Bill Burr? This isn't going to be that great of a story. Here, start, start it over so I can edit. You want to hear a good story about Bill Burr? <laughs> and, then and then I'll edit that out. It's a when uh, when we're talking about Bill. It's like, um, what was it? I must have been like 
I don't know, three or four years in as a door guy. And my whole thing when I was coming up at the store was like, I was always super confident. You know, people do like funny, comedians do funny impressions of me. Like I'm number one and all this stuff. But like, I never say that, you know what I mean? But I've always had that sort of, you know, swagger. So my point is, is like, I always came across as confident, but I was always fly on the wall. I was the most quiet, smiley door guy with, with, you know, planning my takeover or whatever is, you know, the perception. So I was always very quiet, very mellow, very respectful of the comedians, you know, not over the top, but. You know, just right. You know, that was kind of door guy I, I was. Yeah, when I worked the door at the Boston Comedy Club, always. How long just, did you work the door? Uh, six months. Wow. Six months, and then I got a uh, six-figure deal. Oh, hello. And then I was like, I was like, <laughs> I'm moving to L.A. Everybody, suck my dick, bitches. Fuck yeah. Have fun standing on my jizz, suckers. <laughs> I fucking flew out to L.A. and then, and then I got another deal, and then I got a TV show. Holy shit. Yeah. But you so super fly on the wall. Bill Burr, obviously, you know, one of the best. He, he you know, I've, everyone's favorite. Right. And but I was always very mellow. You know what I mean? And I never wanted to, you know, when you make a first a real first impression, like, hey, just wanted to let you know, you know, and it was one of those where I go up to him after watching this set that he did about a bunch of stuff that had just like sort of just happened, right? And it's already just six minutes of dang, dang, bong, yeah. bong, bong, just so the fucking audience is roaring a sound like we hadn't heard in a while there. Anyway, I finally decide I'm going to, you know what? I'm going to go up and say something to him about it. And I went up to him all these years of silent uh, approach. You know what I mean? And I literally go, Bill, you know, just wanted to let you know, man, it's amazing how you can so easily take something that just happened and make it so hilarious. And what he said next changed my life forever. He goes, you think it, you think that was easy? And all of a sudden I'm a dickhead, right? He goes, you, you think that's easy? You know, you think I just magically hear something in the news and I just walk up and it's so easily I make it a thing? No, yeah. man, that's work. I'm sitting there working. When you're hanging out, whatever, I'm writing. I'm writing that. I'm working on it. It's yeah. not easy for me. It's not easy. Yeah. It's work. And it was like, oh, my God. That's when I realized the funniest people have to write you oh, have yeah. to fucking dig in and you have to double dig in and i ended up feeling like a dick after that and he, i'm i think in a cool way he totally knew what he was doing and he knew that i was a door guy and he knew that i'd been there a few years and i think he knew that he was teaching me a lesson that i was either gonna take or leave but i took the hell out of that hell yeah and that's a great life lesson it's a great life lesson because if bill burr has to sit there as funny as he is Breaking it down, looking at it, moving it, adjusting it, fucking hours and hours and hours. And that was, you know, what was sort of in a few seconds driven into my head by him was like, you know, all of a sudden it started to make sense to me. The little bit that I know about Chappelle wakes up super late. Does he wake up super late or is he laying in bed thinking about fucking shit and moving it around? Yeah. Little things like that. Like, it's like, of course he is. You don't just say it. This is my impression of you saying that to me if I was in my, I was in Bill Burr's shoes. Yeah, man. Some people are just talented. (laughs) 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 Yeah. I obsess about a story. Like I woke up at four in the morning yesterday because I had this fight with this guy in my dream and I had a really good comeback. And in the comeback, I went, oh, that's a good fucking line in the dream. And so I got up and I went, that's going to fit well into that 
into this story and I got up and I wrote it down and then I was like, what am I going to sleep for like another hour and 45 minutes? I was like, I'm going to just stay up, have a cup of coffee and I'll write. And I just ended up fucking beating it out, walking around my house by myself, just walking in circles and working out the story. And then I was like, oh, cool. All right. And I was like, I don't think I do this enough. Like I don't wake up passionate about making my career better. Yeah. Meaning with the material, I, 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 I let the inspiration come and then try to bring it on stage, write down a bit and then bring it on stage. Cause I, you know, and then I go on stage, I'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. But I also do, you know, fucking five shows a weekend. Yeah. So you, it's not like I'm just in the store doing one show a night. I'm at, I'm at fucking Omaha. It becomes a blur sometimes. You know what I do to counteract that lately? A new thing that I've sort of taught myself. What? Looking at them straight in their fucking eyes, deeper and longer than normal. Oh, yeah? If this makes sense. Like, you know, I've been doing shows every weekend and this and that. And all of a sudden, you, you get to where you're performing for yourself almost to the walls. You hear them. You know what I mean? Yeah. I've just been looking at the audience deeper in the eyes lately. It makes it so much more fun. You see their real... the person you're staring at. Well, no. Each of them, though. You're spreading the stare, but it's when I you're looking... I pick one person, usually a black woman, <laughs> and I stare her down. <laughs> no, it's not one person. I'm saying that when you're looking out there, instead of like, you know, sometimes I would look higher up. Oh, I'm starting. I to, do that. Yeah, I, I either talk to who I connect with people sometimes, but then sometimes, like when I tell the machine story, I disconnect entirely, and I fucking just look at the candles, That's and I so watch funny. the candles, and I go, telling this to the lighthouses in the fog, <laughs> uh, the many lighthouses that wave back and forth. Why is that? Why do you? Don't you get like a jolt from seeing like somebody looking right at you, going like, ha ha? Oh, I do on like a new material, but when I tell the machine story, sometimes I'm like. You know what I would be doing if during the if I had the machine story is I would find Please, the person I've done everything. Please. I would find the person who seems like they were enjoying themselves the least. The oh. one person who's sort of just like the boy you can tell that like maybe her boyfriend is like your biggest fan. Yeah. Oh. And, and he probably plays your podcast out loud on a boombox, you know, all the time and she's just sort of over it. That one and because they, they stand out in a room of 300, 400. I look for you the can, guy. I look for the guy. I look for the person that is not my demographic, like usually an, like an older black man. And I go, uh, have you ever heard about the story of the time I got involved with the Russian mafia? And he's like, no. I go, you're going to like this story. Oh, and I go, you ready? And he's yeah. like, yeah. And I go, hey, if you have any questions, jump in. Yeah. It's one thing I love about, one thing I love the attachment I have to having making sure a story is true and it's not a lie. I mean, I'll stretch the truth to get a laugh, but integrally it has to be, uh, it's also the hindrance i have is i wish i could just make up a fucking story right um but uh is i love when people ask me questions about it because i can find bits yeah i go uh and they're like wait hold on oh. how did you get what was the train like ride like home i was like great fucking question yeah and what's crazy is that it can completely fucking it can be something right there that you totally didn't yeah even notice but meanwhile and i totally think that's part of like old school howard stern's genius was having robin in the glass booth you know that was literally to like make her feel more like an audience member more like a listener she was supposed to be the one that was speaking I would love for us to have a glass booth here maybe i'll do podcasts where i run a line out here and i shut the door and i have like a couple comics who get to ask questions like in the middle, like a like a. True I, I want to do one of the podcasts I want to do coming up is I want to do uh, one with some door guys uh, from the store. I, t- I, I spoke to um, 
my fucking mind's running blank right Feng now. Chow? No. Uh, he just called me the other day in the middle to give me my veils. Josh Martin. No, it wasn't. It, it was Josh, I think. But no, it wasn't Josh, but same vibe. But uh, yeah, I want to do something with the door guys. Yeah. I'd like to bring the door guys in when I do podcasts. Like, it would be cool to bring them in and go, hey, listen, we're doing a three-person. I'm doing a podcast with one guy. Yeah. Why don't you come in and hang out and just yeah. be on the podcast and promote shit? Yeah. It would be cool because uh, I remember being that guy in New York and when you got invited to go hang out at the diner and they're like don't say anything but just fucking hang yeah it was really cool and then you did say something funny and you get a laugh and they're like you should use that on stage you're like thank you so much (laughs) thank you patrice greatest yeah yeah did you ever get to meet patrice i did i worked uh, well i didn't really work with him but i got to work next to him uh on the roast of charlie sheen do you hang out with metzger at all yeah metzger's the fucking best yeah i love that guy yeah he's great he's uh that fucking rape thing man i just i did a yeah i did uh by the way if you don't know he didn't rape anybody he defended a guy accused of rape said you can't accuse people i did a podcast about it if you want to hear the whole thing and then apparently the guy did rape people and kurt was like fuck yeah why did you have to be a rapist yeah i was doing the right thing it's an interesting i'm uh, robin hood for free speech he's a beast though man i did a vancouver with him and big j and yeah what was that Wait, no, wait, hold on. I'm thinking of the show that Russell Peters, Rogan, and Big J did. I don't know what that is. Oh, it's fucking... I was like the one date where you're like, how oh, did I get on that? I know what you're talking about. That was Toronto. Toronto oh. JFL. Wow. We should be still be doing, I think, what Brian had, that, that original idea of those Death Squad tours. I think yeah. we should be doing clumps of those every now and then in theaters. Yeah. I'm, I'm telling you, it's, it's a no-brainer. It really is. Well, it's, it's a brainer because we're all in different agencies, and all agencies want that one nut. Yeah. They don't want to split up their clients for the weekend because it's not – we can all make more money by ourselves alone. Maybe. I don't know. The, no, the definitely. Way, the way that I picture it. Definitely. Definitely. How many more tickets but, do you think we could add to Tom Segura's weekend? Not many. Anyone who bought a ticket to him is already going like, oh, I'd see Bert too. Thanks. I don't know, man. I think I we could do goddamn. It, I think with a couple months of preparation, with a couple months of promotion, I think we could be doing amphitheaters. I, my my goal was let me say Australia that one more time. amphitheaters. I don't know I'm about t- amphitheaters. Well, I mean, I do. I think I know about amphitheaters. I did them with Oddball, and I think Rogan with his draw. First of all, you did them with Oddball, and they were all failures. Not really. There were some. There was. They canceled twelve of them. Those. And I was on every single one of those with Tom Segura. Oh, I'm sorry. And and Eliza Schlesinger and Fluffy and fucking Jim Jeffries and Sebastian and not one of them sold a ticket. And they canceled all of them. (laughs) I'm not saying Oddball was a failure. I'm sure there were some successes. But I guarantee you anyone who was producing Oddball was like, yeah, we didn't have Chappelle to sell out an amphitheater. And by the way, Chappelle knows that. That's why he's like, yeah, I'm not doing an amphitheater with nine other guys because I'll just do the amphitheater by myself. That's the problem is like... We could never, like, me, Ari, and Joey, or me, Ari, and Tom were going to do a a show one time. Everyone who was going to buy a ticket would have bought a ticket for me by myself, Ari by myself, and Tom by yourself. Yeah. So, like, we're not branching off enough. Yeah. The reason I want to do it is to hang out with other really talented comics who get to look at my set and go, hey, for real, you're being super fucking lazy on this bit. Hey, for real, that it bits a tad bit below you, and I saw someone else do it. That's what I want because yeah. you don't get enough of that, right? 
and uh, and you get it at the store. Yeah. What I want is what happened with that Helen Keller and Frank bit. Was I did it? I fl- I I just said it. I didn't mean it. I just said what it. Happened with it. I was uh, doing Jeremiah's uh, new stand-up show. New, oh yeah, and Isn't that uh, a great show. And someone said, uh, "Tell the." Like I said, anyone else want to say anything? And someone goes, tell a story about Helen Keller. And I went, oh, I used to think Helen Keller and Anne Frank were the same person. And it fucking killed. Yeah. And I told the story of what happened and how I found out. And I got off and Rogan was like, that better be a bit. I go, no, I just said it. And he goes, that's a bit. That is a fucking bit. Isn't that amazing? How a baby can be born. That's going to make so many people happy. And you're like, and then I was like note to self i recorded it on my phone thank god yeah and i was like and then i couldn't say it the same way i said it that night i guess i said it so flippantly yeah. that everyone laughed and, I, and then i was forcing it so you I can almost know. just go straight in just literally you know hard segue i used to think Anne frank and helen keller were the same person that's I, so funny even as just a turn as a start i did i've been doing that lately and then i it was part it was part of the flying dildos joke and it, it became because that was the same day that I happened to flying dildos as we saw the Anne Frank house and I thought it was Helen Keller's house. I don't know the flying dildos thing, but it, it, can I tell you something as a title of a story? Ten stars. <laughs> it's a Ten good stars. title. Fly, and then people just yell flying dildos and you're like, okay, sucks when people are like, uh, uh, cucumber carrot. And I'm like, that's the punchline asshole. Yeah. Like, don't do that. That was an old bit. That was one of my first really solid bits where I was like, uh, I'm now a murderer. Like, like where I was like, I just wrote a great fucking joke. The joke was, uh, um, just to justify it, this was my first, like, bit where I was so proud of my writing. Yeah. And this has happened on my first special. Is um, my wife? It was a true story. My wife was at a grocery store, and uh, I, she was in the produce section, and I just yelled out really loud, "Hey, this time get a thin cucumber." And this lady was like, that's inappropriate, sir. And I was like, I was, I was like, get your mind out of your gutter. I'm putting in her ass, not in mine. And then I was like, and then I was like, and then by the way, guys, if you're ever going to do that, don't use a cucumber, use a carrot. Cucumber's too aggressive. It's like a home invasion. A carrot's like, shh, is anybody home? Like, and so that was like the first bit that I wrote that I was like, oh, it's a weird thing. There's this thing I was just watching. It's called the yips. Do you know what the yips are? Uh-uh. The yips are in baseball. It's when... Uh, you can't throw the ball straight. So a player will get the yips, and they can't, they'll field a ground ball, but they can't throw it to the first baseman. They throw it way off to the right. Or pitchers get it, and they, when they throw a pitch, they, can, they no longer can hit the strike zone at all. It's the, do you remember the guy Wild Thing from that movie, yeah. Charlie Sheen? Yeah. It's the yips. It's a very it's a head case thing. Huh. You can't define it. A guy who could normally throw a ba- he can throw a baseball like this, but in the game when he fields it, he can't do it. And I was like, and the version we get as comics as the yips is not being able to write new material. Yeah, that's the yips. No one gets it on stage. You don't get it on stage because you already have the bits. You just got to say them. Yeah. But the yips for us is when you do an hour and you can't write anymore, right. and you're like, I got the yips. Like I'm yeah. fucking. I can't think of bits, and it's just a head thing. You're like, of course, it's totally you a head. You thing. just got to be willing to fail. When people, people, you know, a lot of writer questions I get from comedians. How do you write this and that? What do you do when you get writer's block? And it's like, you know, that's one of those things to where if once you start to believe that writer's block is yeah. a thing. Writer's block. Writer's block is the yips. No shit, Bert. I'm a fucking idiot. But I'm saying once you think that's a thing, 
then you're blocked. You're doing that. It's all in the head. I learned that immediately. That's another cool little, you know, comedy comedy lesson story was like, I remember I was on the, this was in between writing for, we were, we, we wrote a pilot for the show, me and Jeff and we were Jeff Ross and we were touring across the country. So this was me literally making money for the very first time because it was before the show went. So I was making, you know, a few hundred bucks or whatever opening up for him. Uh, and it was an amazing time and we were roasting each city for his special. Like I was helping him like, all right, so today we're going to Toronto, Toronto, you know, stuff for him to say at the, you know, we were roasting each city at the top of the show. One, uh, uh, I have the only, the only joke I have for that is, uh, it's an, it's an R from being red face. You know, that's a really, you'd have to really have been on the website I was on last night to get that joke. (laughs) Tonto was red face and Tonto, the the red face. So never mind. It's a fucking pointless joke. Um, So anyway, we got to one city. It was like Calgary or something like that. And I was hung over from the night before we would do a city, do a theater and then go to another city the next night. And he's like all right here we are we were getting lunch or something he goes all right what do you got for calgary here we are and i go i got nothing yet calgary i mean i don't even know anything about the place i'm sort of like blocked up i don't know what do you think he goes and the way he just sort of was like what what'd you say i got (laughs) sort of just like i don't know i'm sort of just like blank up there he goes what does that mean like the way he was sort of like he was really and, and the cool thing about jeff and his like mentorship because he's a wise wise unbelievably cool you know he's got a youthful spirit but a wise mind because he has you know a ton of amazing older mentors like he was raised like a fucking jedi yeah anyway um and he just sort of it wasn't what he was saying it was the way he was saying it where he's like what does that even mean like he was really got into like, it genuinely like we in a rogan-esque way like huh oh exactly yeah. like <laughs> well, what do you mean you can't i and he's so curious as to and you're like oh shit so calgary flames and you're just <laughs> in it and you realize like there is no writer's block and that's another one yeah. you know up there with the fucking bill thing is like that jeff ross thing which who cares about the inspirational moments of my life but that's something that i think about both of those things almost every day for a half a second where it's like man i can't come up with anything what the fuck you mean you can't come up with that and then immediately it's like you yeah. know what i mean because once you and everything's a fucking head game once you look at that and realize oh writer's block is just a head game and then you realize a ton of shit is just a head game the phone thing really is a crazy thing though what? yesterday it got me good i mean just like how it can take you it, oh, it yeah. just gets you it's a different type of beast it's an interesting new way to psych yourself out and distract yourself and just be never ending you know speaking of which yeah. i've got a i've got a roll Let's we've done do 2 it. hours that's fucking wow, awesome really? man that was Felt fucking like 45 seamless minutes to it was me. fucking seamless that was fucking phenomenal tony man i appreciate it of so you can get your podcast the pony hour the pony hour kill uh, tony kill tony the store horseman if you've ever enjoyed pro wrestling for a second um my netflix special one shot is still up there you're gonna probably have to search it nowhere near the front anymore 
And um, this releases next week. So what tour dates? You if got? you're a fan of roasting, go to YouTube and look look up Tony Hinchcliffe roast Snoop Dogg. I've seen it. It's fucking great. It's ten minutes that you'll really enjoy. I'm I've really really proud of that. That's it's really great. That's something. Me being the only white roaster in an all black theater it's to roast really Snoop Dogg. Great. And um, a lot of other fun stuff. All the tour dates are TonyHinchcliffe.com, Niagara Falls, and a bunch of a uh, bunch of fun clubs. Bunch of fun clubs coming up. Fuck yeah, man! I really appreciate you doing this. Thank you so I, I much, Barry. Fucking, and like, once again, I'll say thank you for that drink after that set. It meant a lot to me. Wow, I can't believe you remember it and that it stood out. It's, it's my thing. pleasure. I hey. love it. Awesome, man. This episode was brought to you by the Machine.